Welcome to the Ocean Cruises podcast hosted by Andy H. This week we are speaking to Jessica and Will from the YouTube channel World Towning. Along with their kids Avalon and Largo, they've spent the past seven years traveling the world by plane, car, van and boat. They visited over 40 countries and documented their whole experience on YouTube. They started their liveaboard life with the purchase of a 38-foot catamaran in France and will spend this year cruising the Balearics, North Africa and then head to the Canaries all while working full-time and raising two teenagers. They run an authentic travel business, taking people to places they would not usually visit on a normal vacation, to explore a deep and immersive experience into the real culture each country has to offer. You can learn about Jessica, Will, Avalon and Largo on their YouTube channel, World Towning. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and download the audio on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Okay, that's it. Sounds like kids are leaving for Morocco tomorrow. Yeah, yeah that's, like, that's the best destination, yeah. But I, I think right? Spain, Spain could be the best option for you. I mean, the Balearics are the, the nicest place close to where you are anyway. That's that's what we're, we're thinking Spain's going to be the best option. Spain slash also Corsica. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, Will wants to, Will wants to hit, I know they're not in the same area, but he wants to hit Corsica before we head to Spain, but it's just going to depend on, you know, what's going on with our kids' exams and stuff. But I think mm-hmm. Spain is probably the best, the best option at this point. And Corsica. And Corsica. Well, you could spend easily. So, so th- well, we, we've had lots of plans that we've kept on to put on holds, but um, in, I think it's August, I'm sailing over to the Balearics uh, by myself. Uh, my family are going to come and meet me there, probably spend two two weeks uh we'll leave the boat there and then we'll go back for like another two weeks probably in october time something like that but you could spend a year in the balearics like the anchorages and the water it's just beautiful um it's it's uh yeah september it'll be nice september october the water will be very warm and it'll still be yeah like the air temperature would still be pretty good as well you can go there now it's just if you jumped in the water uh, men find it pretty difficult yeah, yeah, it's not that great. <laughs> well, the the water's like fifteen degrees, so you you, you will suffer physically uh, if you jump oh, in water. Oh God, that, that sounds terrible. All Will wants is warm water. That's, all, I, them, that's all I'm dying for. We just got to get to the yeah. Caribbean At then, this because point, we we paid our penance to being in Europe for now long a enough, long time. Yeah, and, yeah. and we're just like I, I'm ready. I'm ready for for the Caribbean. I was I'm born and raised in Miami, and so so you need I, to get there. I I, I need I, I I I can. I can deal without going to Miami, but I just want to be in the Caribbean where it's like warm yeah. again. Oh, it's funny. We're you only planning um, on Ma- only Maddie. planning on being in the. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. We have a little bit. Yeah. Of delay. So, um, Matty and Herbie, who just spoken out before, the rigging doctor, they actually just arrived in Miami yesterday. Uh, they have a huge parrot on board, and they um, they put a deposit down on another parrot. I don't know parrot names, um, but anyway, so they they sailed over from because he's from Puerto Rico, so they sailed over from Puerto Rico uh, to Miami to pick up this ginormous, beautiful bird, and I think they're now really? heading back over to Puerto Rico. Yeah, if you follow them on Instagram, you'll see it, this bird is amazing. It's it's this big, it's huge. It tells him when he wants to go to the toilet, so he takes it outside. Whenever oh. they go to land, it just stands on his shoulder. I was like, does this bird not leave? And he was like, no, the bird just stays with me. So they just go shopping. They they do everything. With, That's cool. With, the bird yeah, lives on so the boat cool. and everything? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, they've got a cage, but I don't think they keep it in there. But it's so well. I mean, I have no idea how you train birds. Um, but yeah, this this parrot that they've got, it just stays on his shoulder constantly. So whenever they're doing the photos for Instagram and they just go to shore, like take a picture of this anchorage or this bay or whatever, the parrot is always oh, on his shoulder. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool. I love really it. Cool. 
I thought we were being adventurous because we're getting a cat, but a parrot? I don't tell the kids about that because then they'll want to get a parrot no, instead. Not, uh, yeah, the, par- <laughs> the parrot and the cat, that might be a combination. Right, right, right. I don't think that's going to work <laughs> out well much, together. Yeah. They were shooting for a dog. We compromised on a cat, and I definitely don't want a parrot. So, Yeah, cat. well, you know, we've got um, – this is one thing that we're just trying to struggle with planning. So we've got six cats completely Uh-oh. by accident. I, I ended up um, – adopting three out of the divorce because my ex-wife when she uh when she bolted she left the cats with me and oh uh, i we used to live in an area in dubai where everybody just comes and dumps the cats because nobody likes yeah. cats there so they just come and dump them and we lived on it's, it's actually an island in the middle of the ocean it's called a palm so it's shaped like a palm tree um and this area is like a cat safe area so yeah we just ended up uh, get, getting the cats tagging them getting them adoption places and foster homes and stuff and we ended up keeping like three so now we've got six and now we're making plans to get a boat and we're like uh what the hell do we do we've got six cats and we're going to try and live on a boat so take them all on the boat yeah we could do we've got one which is a pier so we need to try and find a home for the pier uh, and then we've got one which likes to just violently assault the others. So, we're oh, like, okay, maybe we need, yeah, it's great. It used to be so nice. And um, now you, you just sat watching Netflix and all of a sudden this cat just bolts across the room and just like goes for the neck of the other one. Like, well, that one sounds like it needs to live in a home with no other kids, when, meaning yeah. no other cats. <laughs> or a forest, perhaps. Or a forest. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But we need to figure something forest. out. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think the Balearics would be a great option. Have you you've been to the Canary Islands before? Yeah, no, we haven't. No. We haven't been to the Balearics. Oh. We actually have family there. Yeah, in yeah, the Canaries. Well, well, yeah, yeah. My my yeah. sister in law's family is from the Canaries. Oh and, wow! And she keeps she keeps telling me like when you go there, you'll be treated like 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 uh, like a part of the family, like royalty. So yeah. you know we're looking forward to it. It's just a matter of getting there. Because, so have you got well, some like Spanish roots from because you're, so you're from Miami and there's a lot of Spanish I'm from Miami, in Miami. I'm, I'm Cuban descent, so my parents. Are oh, Cuba. nice. And cool. uh, and my sister-in-law, well, her her father is from the Canaries. Oh, the so Canaries. good. Which yeah, 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 uh, which yeah, island yeah. is it in the Canaries? Uh, Tenerife. Tenerife. Oh, beautiful. It's an, they're, they're incredible. It's an amazing place. We were we were dancing with with the Ark, but they're sold out like they're done tomorrow. And they're expensive. Right. It's, yeah, it's great. You know what? It's not just it's not just what you have to contribute towards the program, which is actually pretty rewarding. It's a really good system, uh, but it's what you have to do to your boat in order to actually have your boat as part of the Ark. The safety. Oh, the restrictions. Yeah. Well, you need to get you need to go way above and beyond on the safety equipment. Uh, you need to have redundancies for like your navigation, uh, your sails. We probably stuff. already have that. <laughs> yeah well yeah you might um i mean you can get the list if you go online there's a list of what you actually need to do but they don't they basically don't want any boat that's going to capsize or there's going to be right. a problem with it naturally it's bad it's bad pr right. um but uh yeah so well what everyone does so when we arrived in november my friends we went over in november with the intention of then going over to the caribbean like within a week afterwards uh or like a couple of weeks afterwards something like that then when we when we got to the Canaries, we were having a look at the restrictions that the Caribbean were putting yeah. in place, and we were like, "This is ridiculous." Yeah. Uh, like I think they were, you were looking at like three thousand dollars a person, you know, to do like the tests and then the immigration and then yeah. more tests and quarantine. So they were like, "No, forget it." And then that's why they're putting it off to this year, and I'm going with them. Um, but when when you get there, uh, the marina in Grand Canaria, it's all arc. So there's there's hundreds and hundreds of boats that are all arc, and then all the bays and anchorages around. They're just waiting for the arc and then they just follow. So you've got the safety nets. Ah, 
okay. Oh, I like yeah, there's that. hundreds. There's <laughs> hundreds. The anchorages are filled with boats waiting to follow them. So you've got the safety net of having all those people around on like channel 16 right. if something happens, but you don't have to pay thousands and thousands of pounds. Right, right. <laughs> and if you leave them. early and you have a slow boat, they're all going to pass you, right? Yeah, most likely there's some pretty competent sailors. There. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a proper race. You know, they do it and they get sponsors and there's, and there's prizes involved and stuff like that. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a that. serious. Did you know that about it? Yeah, yeah it's I, a serious I, race. I, 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 I realize that that's not part of our agenda. <laughs> <laughs> that's not your, yeah, it's, that's not why you'd be doing it. Yeah. But, um, no. no, it's good. Our, boat, our boat's a slow boat. So. She's a slow gal. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember yeah. what the um, what the fastest speed was last well the year before last year but i think it's like 12 days or something like that i've never really followed it but you can follow it online so if you go on their website when when it actually starts every everyone has ais obviously so you can follow everyone's ais and yeah it's a full-on race and there's people like mapping out the weather patterns and trying to find the best routes and stuff uh then everybody meets up at the same port when they all get there and they have drinks and parties and all that type of thing so yeah it's cool but if you want to do it for free just wait wait for the whistle and Tag along. <laughs> we'll end up there four months later with right. our slow gal. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how's the boat going now, getting it up to speed and ready for the long-term cruising? She is, like anything else with the boat, we're, we're starting to real, what we're starting to realize is that, um, is that if we don't leave, you'll never be ready. And, yeah. and, and so, you know, we, we, we've got, we got her to a point where I think up until last or two weeks ago, yeah. we thought like she was good to go. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, then you try, okay, let's, let's, let's try and use our asymmetrical now. And, and we try to get it up and it just, it just, you know, it's like that, that sort of game show. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. And it didn't want to work. So I was like, all right, good. We got a project now. Um, and, and so like little things here and there need to be uh, ready, but we have, I think we've gotten the boat from a safety standard um, ready to do um, some, some serious passages i think we're over safety right because we're so new at this and we're parents yeah um, no, that's a good thing yeah yeah we're parents i don't think i think we probably would have skipped on some of the redundancies if it wasn't for the kids yeah um but i think we're a bit but i guess i guess it's better to be over than under right and since we're so new to this we don't you know we don't we don't know what we don't know in some areas and I would rather have the redundancy and, and at some point say, oh, we didn't really need that. Like even in the RV, there were certain things that were like, oh, we probably didn't need that, but well, I'm glad we had it, you know? Yeah. So I think as time goes on, we'll decide what things we want to replace over the years and what things we don't want to replace, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. But, but I we, think he's, we, but it's we time set to this... get off. It's time to like be moving more than we are. Yeah. But we set yeah. this boat up with, with quite a bit of, well, I mean, the, the people who owned her before they were, they were marina slash coastal cruisers okay. uh heavier on the marina side and and so you know when they said that you know she was ready to go like yeah she was to be like a like for a weekend know, or something yeah 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 yeah. and that's yeah. fine because you know that, that that suits most people out there um we had higher intentions than just you know hanging out for a weekend so like we had to put in a lot of things into here um a lot of the navigation was very old very old if not working at all the chart plotter was was non-existent um the there was no um no radar to speak of and quite frankly i see that being the last thing what they will use but mm. i see it's the most important thing to use when passages yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. passages yeah um we we had we had 
issues with with some of the engines that they they were uh, they, they weren't exactly calibrated well to the tachometer and there was like issues because it's funny because for some reason and I don't know why and this may be a Volvo issue or what but for our engine whenever our solar charge controller hits above um hits into absorption mode so okay. like you're going like 14.2 yeah volts that you're putting in and the and and the engine is on and the engine thinks that okay if you're pumping in more than 14.2 or 14 which is the what the alternator is normally at a regulated rate then the alternator thinks it's time to shut down and and for what? our sake then i know it's it's the strangest phenomenon because i've i haven't heard anyone comment about this in the slightest and and so at that point then the you know the, the warning light on the tachometer or on on the on the on the panel says you know you have an issue with your battery and our old owner basically said you know well we do oh, to solve this problem all we had to do was just turn off the audible alarm and probably <laughs> like, uh, that's not a problem solved so <laughs> It's a problem you don't so, know. And, and, but that's fine if you don't. I know we're new at this, but that didn't sound right. To no, me. no, it right. doesn't sound right. <laughs> you know, but our, our and if we were just close to cruisers and you could see land and, you, and we're on a catamaran, so you had another engine, you know, it's not a big deal because you can always make yourself back home, you know. Yeah. And 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 quite frankly, you know, we, we sunk a, a bit amount of 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 resources, meaning bank account, um, troubleshooting that. And, yes. and, and, you know, and it got there. And so I think now we just know what the answer is. The answer is, is that when we're underway, um, if our solar panel is hitting into, well, if, if solar panels, if the batteries are not full, then what we'll do is we'll just shut the solar panels off yeah. until it is full. And then we'll go ahead and once, once we know that it is full on, on the battery monitor, um, then we'll turn the, cell, the solar charge controller back on and then yeah. it'll be fine. You and, and, really and, sound like you know what you're talking about. Wow, well, you've come a long I'm, way, honey. Listen, <laughs> we were six warned, months ago. We didn't know what the bathroom was called. We were warned that, that, that <laughs> we were warned that that the technicians in France um, wouldn't be that good in terms of speaking to us in English. But mm. boy, I, they got this point across. Well, your well. French got better too. Yeah, and he did yeah. have some helpers since our kids speak French. Don't act yeah, like I you noticed. did it all on your own. <laughs> it sounds like an easy solution to oh just just turn the solar panels on when the, the engine's off because if the engine's on you shouldn't need the solar panels on anyway you're getting charged from the alternator that's 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 the idea yeah. but the problem is in in our we uh, here's the other thing i mean so we had an older well, this is not therapy solar session. charge i know but we had an older <laughs> solar charge controller which was not um controllable via like an app or anything like that so oh, right, we okay. upgrade that and it's you know it's easiness which one did you go that. for or which brand did you go for uh vitron yes. um and it's a it's a 150 slash 60 so oh, so it's a big one yeah, it can hold about 825 watts of solar. Yeah, nice. And, and we got it now. We have about 725 right now. Remember, we have two teenagers on board. Yeah, so, that's, it's, you can't forget that. Although we're learning to conserve on everything, it's still a process. Yeah, yeah. They were, that. I mean, in the RV, they got pretty used to things, but they were much younger and had smaller needs. Now the needs are much bigger. So we have to make sure we uh, are ready for all of Not that. Not just that, but we also have like all four of us work on board. Um, which means that you know yeah. we all run laptops yeah. and we all run off Macs. And as much as there are solutions to use 12 volt to go ahead and charge your Macs, um, I'm not 100% comfortable with that. So I, I like the idea of using the inverter and of course that mm. uses more electricity. So, you know, we just need a way, a way to sustain it. And now that we're approaching, you know, March, April, May, where the sun's up more, 
um, you know, solar is more of a, of, of, of a choice, you know, back yeah. in December and January, forget it. There was like no sun to be had. And, you know, I, I just realized that we're going to, by the time that next winter comes, we're going to have to find a better solution. Um, we're not going to be in winter ever again. That's yeah. true. It's difficult to, to be honest, like <laughs> during the winter, especially in like the Southern med or like fronts you have to get to summer before you can really see what your solar panels actually do because you only get like six hours a day of proper sunlight with clouds like you you don't even know what the solar panels are meant to be bringing in or if they're actually working it properly or not or like to full capacity so yeah i think by the time the summer's finished you'll have a much better idea and you'll have the experience of passages and and all that yeah. type of stuff it was the video that you did where you you both performed uh the service on either side of of the i did a better job there. right Team Jessica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was actually really good. That was, that was really cool to watch. Are they, wait, they're the Volvo 29 horsepower. It's a uh, 2040D. So they're twin 40 horsepowers. Yeah, it's, yeah, the same uh, the same as the one I've got, actually. That's the same as the one in my boat. Yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's And quite, it, does it work well? It does. It does work very well. Okay. If you keep them serviced, which is really simple. I mean, you've, you've never really worked on a diesel engine before, I, I suppose. No. Servicing point no. of view, and you did it first time really well. So I yeah. loved it. Yeah. I loved it. He hated it. He doesn't say he said he doesn't ever want to do it again. And I said, awesome, I'll do it. <laughs> like I really did. And honestly, we'll, we'll get hurt a lot. <laughs> he, <laughs> he has his fingers were bleeding so much. I was like, what are you doing in here? I left you for 10 minutes. There's blood <laughs> dripping down his hand. I'm like, There's nothing on there to do that. You know, the filter well, in your, in your defense. Is there any... it's, it's not, it's not always the most forgiving. <laughs> I know I you're know. still you're yeah. still awesome I know because you can, can you can manage a Excel spreadsheet like nobody's business don't mess with a former accountant <laughs> don't mess stuff. with a former accountant <laughs> <laughs> no it's good you did it really well no they're not they're easy to do the services on as long as you've got somewhere decent where you can like grab the oil and you know you're not turning your boat into like a sludge pit and they're really really straightforward and cool so, yeah, I think it was pretty easy. I mean, I don't think it was the only thing is you don't do it that often. Right. So I, I'm, I wrote everything down and I'm keeping on like, a, and we'll video everything because I'm going to go back and do this in whatever a year or depending on, you know, how many hours we put on the engine and I'm going to forget things like I, yeah. I'm assuming after several years, it will become committed to memory. I um, mean, it, it doesn't seem that complex. I mean, I took, I took, I'm just going to brag a little here. I took a class in high school called auto care or auto shop or something like that. So I learned about a little bit about that, like mostly just how to change the oil, but how to, you know, change a tire and different things like that. So I said, really to cool. I come with some experience. So <laughs> <laughs> the master in the game now, before you start. Very little. <laughs> now we have it all recorded too. So, you know, half, half of the, because we had, we had our instructor come on board with us and sort of take us through the ropes. And I must say I recorded almost every single action that he did the mm. entire time, you know, and, and I, and I'm chopping it up and categorizing it because when the time comes, you know, it's nice to have that sort of, it's like your own personal YouTube video, which when he was editing it for the vlog, he was like, holy shit, I shot so much of that engine. And I was like, why'd you shoot so much? He's like, we're going to need that one day. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. we are going to need that one day. Because obviously he's not going to put out a vlog that's like two hours of engine repair. I mean, engine maintenance. Yeah, it's 90% like, it's, it's of us swearing going, this sucks. This sucks. <laughs> it's not what we had in mind. There was, we have a little swear chart here that the kids started. So they put everyone's name. 
and then they put a little ding every time you swear. And normally, I think I probably swear the most in the family, but normally it's not as extreme as it, as it is. But when I was re I was designing a website for our group trips and I was swearing, 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 swearing. And of course, I'm like this on the list and everyone else is like this. And then when we did the engine repair, I think we'll starting to catch up to me because there were a lot, Starting there was a lot. Up. Yeah, right. There was a lot. I feel like there should be a disclaimer at the end. Like during this period in her life, Jessica was designing a website. During this period in his life, Will was changing yeah, that, and doing right. engine make, you know, and the kids have like, the, I'm embarrassed, but the kids have some on there too. I don't know what that was for, but. But it's good that the kids have set that up to police you from speaking badly <laughs> rather than the other way around. They do. They go, mom, bad word. Yeah. And if they were sitting here and just heard me say shit, they'd be like, I don't care if you're on a podcast. Mom, bad word. I'm putting it on the chart. I, I, I don't think they're opportunists. So they do the best they can. Right. They, I think they yeah. realize that mom and dad are swearing a lot. How can we benefit from this? Because apparently every dash on the chart means one dollar $1 towards ice cream. I don't know who decided yeah. this because I don't remember signing anything, but yeah. So like Will said, they're opportunists, right? Yeah. When I was growing up, we had it the other way around. I, I was, me and my wife were having a conversation like literally a couple of nights ago. And we were like, I, I hope, I pray that our kid has a terrible memory of when he was young, because if he can remember half of the stuff that we've been speaking about, like half of the things that we say when he grows up, he's going to think we are horrible people. So I'm like, I hope he has a terrible memory. That's what I say. I'm so glad that Will has been vlogging and vlogging our adventures for so long because sometimes they'll do something like, oh, you never did that, mom. I'm like, I did. I used to bake with you guys. I promise I was a better mother years ago, but <laughs> the you know, I'm older and more tired, but daddy has a vlog of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. It could also sting you in a way. I imagine there could be some arguments coming in the future between husband and wife. Like, well, you didn't say that. Well, I did. There, There's the video. <laughs> yeah, it's usually mostly about did my hair really look like that? Or why would you let me go out in that shirt? Did I think that looked good? You know, kind of stuff like that. <laughs> what, I, what I've realized though, when it comes to sort of recording stuff and putting it online, and it's particularly because it goes from, you know, live action and then to then when Jessica sees it, it's like in its final edited form. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he didn't, she didn't see half the stuff that mm. I've recorded. So there's things that I could have done. It's like, oh, that never happened. No one saw it. It's fine. <laughs> it's, sitting, it's sitting in the archives. Yeah. No, but there's, there was also times where he'll say come here for a second and i'll go over and he'll put like show me something he goes see you were in a bad mood that day and i'm like oh yeah i guess i was <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. so, like he, has, he has evidence of it and when you first start so our instructor brad was saying you know he's watching the vlogs and he goes it's hard it's hard getting used to seeing yourself on camera mm. and i said we're used to it now but when we first started even, well i don't know because even today i said before we got on the call with the client i said well look how big my head is compared to yours like it's my head is well. doubled like getting used to listening to your voice is so strange right yeah, like you. I mean, you you both sound like you've got really nice, like you know, general American accents. But I imagine the first time you heard yourself recorded, you're like, "Do I sound like that when I actually speak?" That's that's the way I am. Sometimes, well, he'll say your accent's coming out because I, I have a New England accent. I mean, I haven't okay. lived in New England in the U.S. for a very long time. Hmm. But if I'm tired. Or if I've been drinking, usually it'll come out and it'll just be one word. And I was taping, I was taping a voiceover the other day. And what was the word I said that you said? Oh gosh. I don't know. I think it might've been, I think it might've been park. And I was like, park. 
like park your car or something like oh, that. Oh, so it's a bit like Boston or something like that. Yeah, that sounds a bit it is. Right, right, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm from the state, two states up. So very, right. very, yeah, very Boston accent. Very, very mm. similar to Boston. But what you find out, and it's, it's, it's really interesting because we've been now recording ourselves for three flat almost four years now long time a long time um you know like on a consistent basis and you do learn a lot about yourself when, oh, you, when yeah. you when you watch yourself back on camera yeah, but... um some for the positive some for the negative and and but you start to realize you know that the things that you are hung up upon about yourself are not always i mean it's like it's, it's only inside your head yeah and then yeah. you flub it's like oh i did that wrong and you'll see yeah. that in the editor he's like no you didn't you know you're like you're, yeah. you're almost talking to yourself like in and you wonder why on earth, you know, do you do you get like so self, um, I guess, critical at times? And then until you just get to the point that you're just like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm confident about it. And that's it. And it gets like my goal with everything, every single th thing that we do when we're documenting our life is to not have to edit it. Like if I can go ahead. Not and, much at least. Right, right. If I can go ahead and just like run with it and, and be like, okay, this is what I meant to say. And I could have flubbed a word or two, but so what? I'm okay with that. I, this yeah. is not an exercise in perfection. Um, and, and I think that's actually a better story more than anything else, because who wants to watch something gets everything perfect? Uh, oh my gosh. We could never be held to that standard. Like I want to see that. I want to see even before we were traveling and it was mostly, you know, a blog world, not a vlog world. I wanted to see the, the reality of it. Like the reality yeah. of it is, you know, you do not wake up every morning with makeup on or your hair done or your clothing pressed. Mm. And if you do, it's likely that you're not really traveling because that's unrealistic to be able to maintain <laughs> that traveling. Right. Yeah, good point. I mean, particularly in Europe, it's, I mean, I don't know. It's, pro it's probably been 15 years since I've ironed anything. I just don't do that anymore, but there are places that you can't get the things that you're normally used to. And I, I, I tend to want to see the reality of it too. Like I want to see, I want to see what's really happening behind the scenes and what people are really feeling, particularly yeah. if it's something we want to do. Um, we don't get a lot of time to watch sailing vlogs because usually it's because of bandwidth. We have, you know, we, we, we're maxing it out every month between the kids and their business and mm. Will and I and our business. Um, but when I do watch them, it's quite a treat. And I'm really excited to see the reality of it, you know, to yeah. see what happens and, and how, how these people handle certain situations and how they're figuring out laundry and that kind of stuff. I don't want to see people all cleaned and pressed and organized because I know that's not the reality of this. I can't yeah. even imagine having to shoot like that. Can you, well, well, that'd be so much pressure. The funny, a lot of work as well, frankly, it is right? it's so much when <laughs> thinking we were, it so much is hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before we jumped into the boat, we were living in an RV I, and we did that for, two and a half years around there and you know we, we we had a goal of seeing like every country in europe and we, we we got there we didn't sort of do every single country by rv because some some islands were just rvs don't swim or fly well they just i mean taking a ferry to malta would have been just a real pain so it was easier to fly there yeah but yeah. but nevertheless um you know we did it i think we did a decent job of documenting that that side of our life and but what I realized then as well is because there were four of us and a lot of the times that we were staying, we were staying like off the grid, you know, we're boondocking or, or wild camping and to, to go ahead and wake up in the morning and get all primmed up oh. to shoot myself. Are, are you kidding me? No, I, you I, I, well, that's not I was lucky enough to have like a 12 day shave going on and, right, and a clean shirt. <laughs> right, right, right. And haven't showered in forever. And just, just, well, just I mean, because I think, we were living. I think that's fine though. If that's how you, 
if that's how you live and that's what makes you happy and you, it makes you feel good to get up in the morning and do that. But that would have been a bit of a lie for us. Cause we don't get up in the morning and do that. Sometimes like, like the kids will often say to me, why do you have makeup on? What's going on? Cause I don't normally, sometimes I put it on. Sometimes I don't, it just depends on how I feel. I never comb my hair. I comb my hair when I wash it, which is, this is probably TMI. Someone's going to get really gross out, but I wash my hair over a couple of days. And if I can do it even less than that, I do because the pink fades and I don't comb it in between. I just comb it when I get out of the shower and I don't comb it again. Like to actually have to kind of pretend my life was not that and that I comb my hair and put on makeup and iron my clothes would be so much. I find that that we're terrible. I find we're Mm. substantially cleaner now on the boat than we were. Yeah, we are clean in the RV. Yeah. Without well, you've just got more space. I mean, there's less moisture in, in your living space, you know, because, you know, fair fair play to, I mean, raising two kids in a vehicle of that size. And, I mean, staying married, that was a great achievement, you know. Not, well, not leaving the kids we barely made it. <laughs> you still got them. You didn't dump them somewhere. So you, know, you did a great job. Um, yeah, we still have them. You know, I think a lot of it was, they're great kids and they've been traveling for a long time. Um, and they're used to kind of, um, I guess I would say living without a lot of, um, conveniences of life that a Mm. lot of people from our American lifestyle, we live there have, um, they're used to that. Um, and I don't, they don't, they don't hate it. They just, this is just their life and the swap off is quite fantastic. Um, so they've never, we're very lucky that they, we talk about it quite often because our, we did this because of the kids. Um, and we've always had the rule that if someone is not happy in the situation, then we don't stop completely, but we, we sit down and we find a compromise. And maybe that compromise would be six months traveling, six months not, or only summers or a couple months on, a couple months off or a year on or a year off. We've been very fortunate that they still, excuse me, they still enjoy it and they still love it, love doing this. All that being said, I don't know how well our RV space would have worked out excuse me, if they were older teenagers, like they are now. Yeah. Um, they've always had to share a space, but now that we have a 16 year old and a 13 year old, they would share a space if we asked them to, or we needed to, or we just said, this is what's within our budget. Um, they would do it and they would not complain. However, I think it's really great. They ha- each have their own cabin now um, because it yeah. gives them some kind of time alone. Our time in the RV was, you know, tween ages and, and barely a teenager. And it was, that timing just worked really well for us. It was really special. We all enjoyed being in the same room together and making jokes and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so sometimes it comes down to timing and I think it was just really good timing. Yeah, it was the right time. But when I look back on that RV time and I might feel the same way about the boat as well, but I look back on it as really just a special time at the kind of end of their I don't want to say childhood, but the end of their still really kind of young years. Now they have yeah. their own minds and personalities and thoughts and all this stuff. And they were still just kind of little kids then. And it just really worked. It was like one big slumber party. Yeah. Do you know, it's like, I just have to say, like watching you, you guys operate as a family and like how close you are and how much you seem to like each other as well. Um it's so nice to watch and and you oh, like your teenage and this is a credit to you because you've raised these two humans uh, your teenagers actually make teenagers look nice which is really <laughs> not a representation of the truth <laughs> because especially now most teenagers are quite horrible creatures um but it it's so so nice to watch and and i think what's like what's so cool about what you've done as well and it's like you said like timing just plays such an important role like you've moved from an rv where you could be a very close to family now the teenagers you need to give them a bit more space um 
But th those years where they're really starting to form a personality, uh, you've, you've kept that togetherness so close as a family and it's really worked uh, because, I, I mean, I know definitely in America, not so much in Spain, because Spain still has quite close family values, especially in the South. But, but the concept of family has really started to dissipate. It's not so much about that yeah. anymore. It's more about school and social influence and social media and all that type of stuff. Um, but I, it just seems like you've done a really great job. It's been really easy for them for the most part because of the fact that we've all been on this like journey of self-discovery yeah. um, for the last six plus years. And everywhere we go, it's always brand new to all of us. So yeah. it's not like we're saying, you know, because it's so easy to be in a routine and then to, and then to predict a, an expectation of what the reality should look like based on sort of your own experiences. But when we're, when we're doing something for the first time altogether, um, you know, there's no saying do it this way, do it that right. way. So, yeah. you know, we all kind of respect each other's ability to analyze the situation and, and move forward with, with the situation. Um, you know, clearly, you know, we are, we're, we're the parents, but we, we don't necessarily treat our kids like, like they don't have a voice. Yeah, they, we definitely, they, yeah, I always it comes say across like that as well. we're a democracy, not a dictatorship. And a lot of the complaints that I've heard from teenagers, and I was a teenager as well, um, my parents gave me a lot of freedom from a young age as a teenager. And I think that I, I, I feel like part of the issue I see with teenagers being unhappy or the tension between the parent and the teenager is the teenager isn't allowed to kind of become their true self. And I know it sounds all new agey and everything, but there seems to be a lot of ego wrapped in and up in what happens with children. And people feel it's a direct reflection of them and their parenting. And Will and I don't really operate from that, that kind of attitude. Um, their achievements are their achievements. And we have been a bit of guiding them in certain ways, yeah. but we spend, a, Will and I spend a lot of time talking about parenting and honoring their curiosities, whether we just agree with them or not. Um, and really letting them kind of find their own way in the world rather than projecting our thoughts on them. The only time we really would get seriously involved would be if we didn't think they were being good human beings. We yeah. would say that, you know, that's like not they were so doing nice something genuinely bad. Yeah. But yeah. in general, if they say, you know, I'm thinking that like if one of them said, I don't know if I want to have kids when I grow up. And I said, that's your decision. Absolutely. And, and in life, there are going to be people that are going to say you need to have kids or what's wrong with you or why don't you want kids or that's selfish or whatever, you know, people are going to give their comments and you need to stay true to what you believe, whatever mm -hmm. that is. Now, uh, having children has been, I think the greatest thing in my life. I love having a family and children and I love having a family with Will and the kids and all of us. I can't imagine my life without them, but it's not for everyone. And if someone chooses, are you going to cry? No, are you going to cry? I'm not going to cry. You're looking at me. I'm getting all sweaty and like self-conscious. I'm itching. So I feel like someone's staring at me. Um, you know, anyway, oh, you got me all nervous now. Um, that, you know, that we, we really, whether we agree with what they're saying or not, we honor them being who they are and we try to give them as much freedom as possible. And, and right now, here's a perfect example of freedom um, because they're quite capable, right? Our daughter is 16. Um, you know, decades ago, 16 year olds were getting married. In some countries now they're getting married. They're having businesses. They start families. Um, and the way that they've lived their life, they're quite capable of things. So our daughter, both of our kids are together right now. But a week ago, we got our daughter um, an apartment for a month, and she's 16 and a half. 
she is Whoa. studying for some big exams. And over the course of the last six years, she has done a great job and is a really good student, but she's had to study in some kind of crazy circumstances. Yeah. You know, at RV shop, repair shops, in moving RVs, in a moving boat, on the side of a street, taking a class, you know, like outside in the cold, because that's the only place the Wi-Fi will work. There's just kind of all these crazy things. These are very important exams. And Will and I decided that studying in the boat with all of us around us on calls with clients, her brother in his French class talking with his teacher, sometimes guys coming to help to work on things. Sometimes, you know, people stopping by that we know in this town, you know, what it's not the best environment for her to do is some intense studying. So we got her an apartment for the month and she's doing really fabulous. We've gone up, we've stayed a couple nights with her, but right now, her brother is staying there with her for the night and they're going to stay there together. <laughs> so and cool. they just, they just ordered pizza. They sent me a picture from our pizza place. Cause we used to live in the town that we're, we're in visiting right now. Mm. Um, and I trust them. I fully trust them. Not only from a, a, a standpoint of not doing things they shouldn't, but also from a sta safety standpoint, we both trust them. And I think. And we left them with the camera too. So we're, we're excited, like filming. We're excited to see what, <laughs> what, <they come laughs> what footage you get. <laughs> exactly. We get like footage of someone's foot, the ceiling. No, uh, um, I just, I just think it's 15 really. 15 cans of Dr. Pepper. Right. <laughs> it's really important that we, that we trust them and that they, they have the trust until proven otherwise, rather than having to earn it. Like we, we trust that they know what they're doing. They know how to handle themselves. And I think it's made raising teenagers really quite pleasant. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I don't have any complaints. I really, I'm really enjoying having teenagers. Yeah, you've done a really good job. Like it's, it's really evident. And um, yeah, I mean, kids don't really learn from the parents' mistakes. You know, they learn from their own mistakes. And I right. think parents should just be there to let them, you know, make a mess of something. And just if it's going to get dangerous, then stop, intervene, just say, well, okay, hang on. But yeah, you've got yeah. to let them learn. It doesn't matter how many times your parents tell you not to do something. If you're curious and you're a teenager, right. you give it a shot. <laughs> and curiosity is a great thing, isn't it? I yeah. mean, you know, within reason, obviously, but I'm really happy that our kids are curious about things and that they question things and that, you know, we've, we've, we've gotten to the point, I mean, many years ago where they, they used to say, well, what does this mean? And I would say, Google it, like figure it out, you know, yeah. on your own, you know, I mean, back in our day, it would be like, go look in the encyclopedia. And now they don't even ask, they just figure things out and they'll come to me. Like our son came to us today and he wanted a new pair of headphones. And I said, well, how much do they cost? And he told me how much they cost. And I said, I'm fine with you getting those, but I want you to shop around for some other options. And of course you need to use your own money for this because mm. you have a pair that works and they both make their own money and he has money in his bank account. And so he came back to us and read the reviews on a couple of them. And he said, I'm going to get these for when I'm doing my schoolwork, but I'm going to get these cheap ones when I'm running. Cause I read on the review that the ones that I want to get for school, if you run in them, get, they get really smelly. I said, okay, perfect. And then he bought it with his, with his own money. So I think, and do I think he needed both of these? Probably not. But the best thing is he's going to learn with his own yeah, money, he's and he's, it. you know, right. and he's going to yeah. figure out if he needed both of them. And then he's going to maybe at some point say, oh, this really wasn't worth it. There's something else I want instead, or how many you know. useless things we buy for a boat i mean mercy. Right. So. <laughs> yeah you always have to buy you know it's funny I'm, like when you walk around the house and you're like should we get this should we get this should we get this no no that's not necessarily when it comes to the boat it's like let's get two of those in case one breaks and let's get right? another one in case the second <laughs> one breaks you know? right yeah. it's so true right you're not buying extra blenders in the house right you're like one's mm. fine if it breaks yeah. i'll go get another one yeah it's all about solar panels for will he's like should we get this oh but that's or should we do this and he's like no but that's the value of two new solar panels oh mm. okay so maybe we won't do that maybe we'll save the money for the solar panels 
Yeah, the Victron system is like perfect for that as well. It's so nice to be a, you know, and it's it's so cool. Like, in, I mean, in an age where you know everybody's thinking about like the carbon footprint and are we doing the right thing for yeah. the planet, to be able to look on your phone and be like, wow, look at how many you know watts we've just generated in the past hour, and we can you know we can sail here, we can do that, we can do all that, we can charge the laptops. It's so cool to be able to do that. Do people even sail without solar? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So like, they would like especially catamarans when they've got like big generators and uh, like motorboats when they've got the huge generators as well. But isn't that? Don't people get annoyed with the gen? I've been, I've heard that if someone pulls up next to you on a on the hook and puts their generator on, like everyone's going to get pissed off. Potentially, if they, we can get different types <laughs> of generators. I think some of the newer ones they they come encased and they actually don't pump out that much stuff when they're turned on, so they're all right. Um, do you not have one? You don't have a generator on your cat. We do, we do. We, we have, we have an, an external little Honda. Oh, the, the silent generators. No, no, it's not silent. silent. Oh, it's not the silent one. <laughs> no, it, it, it feels like you're at a racetrack. So. He took it out oh, and right. tested it out. And I was like, I am never putting that on. If someone's next to us, they're going to come over and kill us in the middle of the night. <laughs> it's so loud and so obnoxious. But you it, get the little red w- ones that are quite good. I think that's no, called that's like the have. silent generator. They're not that. This one is it. I, is ours called silent? No. Does it say it's silent on it? That's okay, called it's advertising. Yeah. No, no, but but it does work. And it is red though. And it, you know, it you know, for us, this is the first time now that we're on this boat that we've had a washing machine, like a mm. dedicated washing machine that belongs to us. We right? haven't had a washing machine in years. In yeah, like the last the like four or five years, and yeah. it's and it's super helpful. And you know, you can't run it off the batteries. Just there's it's not enough. We can't. We don't have enough capacity to do that, and and so you, we can do it off off the genset. And so the you know being able to do that often, you know, is just I don't know. For me, it, it's 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 mind numbing that you know we can be that independent here. <laughs> you know, we have a water maker. Uh, we're super. We're even though we're still on the dock here, we're super excited to be able to be just completely self sufficient. Now, this thing came with the washing machine. Because Will, being the accountant, would have never, ever, ever wanted to spend money to put in a washing machine. Mm. He would have been like, we'll go to the laundromat, we'll wash by hand, we've been doing it for years. I was so damn happy to see that washing machine. I was like, oh, but you know what? I was on a thread the other day and it said that most people, that washing machines are everyone's a nightmare because they constantly are breaking. I know. The one that you've got, is it it like a generic 220 or 240 washing machine or is it a specific boat? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a so it's a normal household one. Oh right, okay, right, yeah. So um, should you put household washing machines on the boat? It's worked. I think people do. You can get twelve volt ones. I've said I saw a twelve volt one online a couple of weeks ago, but it was ridiculously expensive. It was like I think it was like eight hundred euros, and it and it was no bigger than this. Like you couldn't do much of a wash in there. Oh yeah, with four people. Oh my god. No, and and then that was installed by the previous (laughs) owner, and he had to disassemble it to get it into the space. Yeah. And then put it, put back, it back, back together. And then, you know, it worked. It works. Yeah, but if we there. ever have to do that, we're never going to be able to do that. I can do engine maintenance, but I don't know about washing, washing machine, machine taking it apart yeah. and putting it back together. <laughs> Where did this piece come? Yeah. I get done. There's like seven extra screws. And what do I do with these? I'm put on my white hat and call myself the Maytag man. Right. But if you're I crossing the like... Pacific and you're halfway across and you need to wash some clothes, you're going to have to learn how to do some washing machine DIY either. Yeah. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it... <laughs> there's probably an instruction manual for it somewhere, so it shouldn't be that. Well, hard. no, I'm not thinking about that. I'm just thinking we'll just go ahead and grab a bucket and wash do it by hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's 
Yeah, that's what I've done as well. No, you know, it is that it's so nice. Do you know? I mean, there's nothing wrong with relying on like the utility system of the council or the government or you know wherever whatever it is you stay in. But when when you are completely independent and you're, and you know, COVID highlighted this so much for us as well. It's like I, I don't want to have to rely on anyone to do anything anymore. Yeah. Because when when the people who are in control just say right, you're not allowed to leave your house. You're like, ah, okay. But and then to have the freedom where like the position you guys are in now, where, OK, if France start coming up with some rules and you're like, these are a bit stupid, just go to Italy. If Italy do some stupid rules, I'll just leave this continent. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll well, there was a month there was a month where we could not sail more than a kilometer from our dock in France. Now, we were not certified at that point. Right. So we really okay. couldn't go out and have our insurance cover us anyway. Um, but that gave me like such like such anxiety because I thought yeah, it's not we nice. have we've never been never no one's ever said we can't go someplace mm. and it felt kind of creepy and stuff. I mean, I was fine to abide by the rules, whatever. I'm, I'll follow whatever the country were in their rules because that's just how we travel. Um, but it felt kind of weird, like oh my gosh, now we're trapped. Like not that we weren't even going to go any place, but just the thought mm. of not being able to move. So I do like obviously when COVID's done the freedom to just go whenever we want right you don't like a place you just leave but what yeah. we realized most about COVID more than anything else and, and I think this is sort of becoming everyone's grand epiphany as sort of this this Life phenomenon no no forget that <laughs> but you know because the wave one was wave one it was a media spectacular and everyone started you know talking making about, bread uh, right, right it became like almost almost <laughs> like like a what can I do now for COVID because it's COVID it's 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 new it's the thing um unfortunately people had to you know die for it but now because it, you're going through wave two and now in europe you know like wave three is happening again and lockdowns are sort of coming in and out there are what we're realizing is that just the lack of people is, is really taking a toll on us you yeah. know there's for for the first six months that we that were on the boat we were in in the marina in port camargue in france and it was a it's a massive marina it's supposed to be like the largest pleasure boat marina in all of europe 5,000 boats. Oh. There was only a, several hundred liveaboards. And this is throughout this, you know, this massive marina. So yeah. barely anyone sees each other. And, and it, it really just put a toll on us, you know, yeah. just yeah. the ability, the, the inability to be social. And, yeah. and for the most part, you know, we've been traveling like, like there's like, as if it was only the four of us, but we've always had interaction with people. A lot. We've always had a lot of interaction with people that was kind of this myth that travelers and teenagers who travel don't have any social. We had a lot. We had so much. There were points where the kids said, can we just not have so much social for a couple of weeks? We're kind of tired. I mean, I think part of it is because we've been traveling for so long. We have friends that are travelers that, are, that we're still traveling pre-COVID. Then we have friends that have stopped traveling that live in different countries in Europe. And then we meet up with new travelers we meet. And then we meet up with locals. So COVID hit. And we were okay. I think we we're okay for about the first four or five months. The four, first four months then it really started to get to us. We were like, we yeah. miss people and social. And that's one of the things that we're like, I don't, I don't think we took it for granted, but we had so much of it. It was so plentiful and we enjoyed it a lot. I don't think we realized losing it, the impact of losing it, what would that would have? Cause we never anticipated that we would lose social. Like who anticipates that social is going to completely go away. Right. And it's so important for the mind, you know, I, I do oh. hope that I hope there's two things that I hope come out of this. I hope that the, the importance of working in office is gone. And, and I think yeah. a lot of people are starting to realize that. Um, like I've, I've got a friend who works for the EU. Uh, he's like the head of signage or something. It's like an IT security person at the EU. He's got a team and stuff. And he's worked from home for a year. 
And prior to that, he was traveling to Brussels uh, every week and then coming back at the weekends and he was spending $2,000 a month on travel. Well, it's like, I think it's highlighted the fact that your job in Brussels is completely useless, do it from home. And that is going to improve people's lives so much, especially when they've got kids. So I hope that changes. And then the other thing I hope really changes. And to be honest, I'm from the UK, so we we have always paid a lot of attention to this and we're starting to pay a lot of more attention to it now, but uh, mental health. And there's yeah. a lot of countries like, and uh, like the United States, for example, is a country that I don't think invests much in at a federal level. It doesn't invest much no, into it. No, they don't at um, all. And, it's, and, it's such and a mainland shame. Europe don't either. Um, but it's really highlighted how easy it is to become depressed and what that yeah. actually does to you physically. Um, yeah. So yeah, hopefully a couple of good things can come out of it. But yeah, I think those well, would be two, two things. I completely agree with you on that. I think that, yeah, working uh, companies are really realizing that they can cut their costs by not having as much office space and workers are happier and everyone is happy all around, right? We have a ton of friends who are corporate employees in the U.S. are all working from home. They're happy. Their productivity is up. They're spending more time with their family. I don't have, we don't have one corporate friend who's like, I can't wait to go back in the office. I can't wait for my <laughs> Can't wait for the commute. nine to five. <laughs> right? Not, not one of them. They all love it and they're just doing wonderful. Um, and I agree with you on the mental health. You know, it's interesting. Europe is not very, the U.S. is terrible with it. Um, Europe is not great either. I went to the doctor this week and I said to her, I said, I've never, ever been depressed in my entire life. I don't even, I said, maybe when I'm PMSing a little, but that's it. Um, I don't even know really what it feels like, but I said, I think I'm a little depressed. I said, I think I miss people. I know I miss people. I'm not getting any sun. I'm pretty sure it's COVID. Um, what do you think I should do? She's like, stay outside more often. And I'm like, okay, I'm clearly not depressed to the point of, of suicidal or anything like that. But I thought that's not very good advice. Like that doesn't seem like that's enough. Now I'm pretty confident that it's because I, we haven't had a lot of social and whatnot. We've been having more social work. I can see like a light at the end of the tunnel from kind of being at the dock and all this learning. And I can tell it's just like a temporary thing. But if I was in a position where it wasn't, I, I think that I feel like it's just, it's just not handled. Well, is it? It's not, Mm. and I can't think of many countries where it really is handled. Well, the United States, definitely not. Um, a friend of mine, I was talking with a friend of mine and she wanted to get therapy here in France. And she said, but I can't, it's just not acceptable. And I'm like, what? No, we're very good at going to therapy in the U S like saying I have a therapist and I'm going to the therapy and like, it's almost like I'm going to the gym. Right. Um, but it's not government subsidized or anything like that. Mm. And she said, I just can't do it in France. It's just not acceptable. Like it's not built into the culture. They'll just say, well, you don't need therapy. You know, are you going to kill yourself tonight? You're not. Okay. You're fine. Um, and I had never had any interaction with that until I went to the doctor and I thought that's just not very good advice. You know, and Will said the same thing. He's like, that's not very good advice. He said, I know you weren't in there crying and saying you were super depressed. You were just saying you were a little kind of depressed and you thought it was COVID, but there should have been like another step, another something else that she contributed to instead of spending more time outside. Like I just, I'm, I'm such a mild case of that compared to, we have a lot of friends who, who not a lot, but we have some friends who struggle with mental illness pre COVID. And they're really, really, really struggling right now. And they've had to change their medication and it hasn't really been, it hasn't been an easy process for them, put it that way. And yeah. I, I think that is such a shame. And I agree with you on that. I think that hopefully mental health and mental health um, resources will change here. And particularly for teenagers, 
um, there's the suicide rate is increased. They're just, they're just, they're, I mean, those 16, 17, eight year olds, I, I'm sorry, I'm talking too much about this, but you know, just cause there's, they're, they're young. They need other young people to be around and here they are yeah. isolated. Okay. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have just said that from the beginning. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, <laughs> I agree with you. There's not enough emphasis on it. Um, so yeah, two things I hope come out of it. Hopefully that <laughs> I hope here's here's my third okay mm. and this is just purely selfish um you know we made the choice to document our travels we made the choice to have a business where we consult with people on the logistics of full-time travel we made the choice to add another egg element to our business where we host group trips and it's all with the premise to get more people traveling um I I personally and I will it will feels the same way that I'm just letting you talk for me that, oh, that's okay. Fine. You can talk. <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I over talking? No, you? no. I'm getting fine. all excited about this topic. I'm I just going to finish this. I'm not going to talk anymore. Um, uh, we really want to get more people traveling. We feel that travel just changes everything. It reduces um, racism. It makes people think about equality differently and inequality. Um, it, it just, it, to me, it fixes everything. And the next closest thing that could fix everything is reading a lot of books. But I still think that travel is even more profound and changing the way people think and enlightening them and humoring them and just broadening everything. So I hope that people that have you know, have their two week vacation that they have obviously lost because of COVID come out of this very differently and, and say, you know what? I think we can go to Disney anytime. Let's, instead of doing our two weeks at Disney, let's go four weeks to Morocco, yeah. you know, and let's live like a local and let's engage in some classes and let's maybe try and learn the language. Uh, because I think we'd see such a great change in the world if people traveled more and, and a lot yeah. of people have the capacity to travel but it's just where they choose to travel. They choose to go to the same place every year rather than kind of expanding and, and looking to different cultures and ways that they can learn and grow. So the interesting yeah. part about the entire situation though, is that, you know, being that we're on a boat and, you know, this is, I mean, this is a podcast about you know, boaters. It's, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's, it's very challenging to sort of get that when you're, when you're, you know, unless you're cruising full time when you're doing that. Cause if you're choosing to use your, your free time, as as a boater then it's almost you're not you're not 100 engaging into a cultural aspect of a, of a particular area you know you can show up and show up in the, into the marina and maybe show up in an anchorage and sort of marvel at the, the natural wonder but unless you actually make the intentional time the to contact go ahead, with land to make the contact yes. with no that's just that's just with the land of provision but to you know to get in, in touch with the people and learn more about what makes them tick um, you know, that for me, like, like we said, like we've been traveling now for the last six plus years and transitioning to boat life is going to be the hardest thing I think we've ever done because we've been so used to at every turn, you know, dealing with people and learning about a cultural custom doing that on a boat, I think is going to be a hard thing to manage. Like we really have to want to get off the boat and go engage in a local cook, cooking class or, or, or talk to someone about, you know, why things are done a certain way, because it's so easy to become isolated on a boat. And, yeah. and you know, we're, we're, we're trying really hard to, to make sort of things so that we, we are, we're, we don't have to worry about being on the boat hundred percent of the time and we can go out and sort of enjoy the local cultures. And, and part of our, our mission, I guess, is going to be, you know, making sure that we highlight that in, in, in our, in, in the videos that we, we produce, because it's, anyone can put on a, a good story about someone doing, 
you know, an interesting sail and, and cooking on board and sort of life and trials and tribulations of boat life. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm quite, the, of the videos I watch, you know, those are the ones that excite <laughs> me the most because, you know, I'm, I'm more excited to see sort of, hmm, maybe I can do that way. Maybe I should do, I should be doing something else differently. And I learn a lot from that. But I think as far as myself, for, for personal reasons, for selfish reasons, I want to see what's beyond the boat. You know, I want to yeah. see, yeah. you know, what, 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 personalities exist out there and, and because you know for us we've been at europe at europe we've been in europe for several years for several years and i think we've, we've we've learned what this place has to offer for the most part um there's still you know you can always learn more but the idea of going like you said you know on a boat to morocco and, and yeah. seeing what that aspect of moroccan life is like is going to be really Pacific cool and, 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 and right and, and yeah. going to you know all the way in the South Pacific, that is for me, I think is going to be the real awakening is because like we we grew up in, in, in the US and we've visited the Caribbean, you know, quite a bit just just because it, it, it was the place to go, yeah. you know, yeah. when when you could. I worked for cruise lines for years and and it was always sort of an easy place to go to go. Um, but the South Pacific and and sort of what they have to offer there is going to be I, I, I'm so excited to see like let, let the creativity just just jump yeah at the window well we were we were in asia supposed to be spending a year there in 12 different countries when covid hit and we ended up spending five months in japan so i don't feel like our time in asia is done so like south pacific and then southeast asia and then india we're planning on hitting all that by boat but like will said you know i i i one of my i don't want to say biggest fears but one of the things i'm really i'm a little concerned about um, because sailing and boat life, and we are newbies, so I'm sure it'll change a bit, feels all-encompassing. Like Will was saying, I continually say to him, we still need to get the culture because that is where we most feel alive is engaging with the people and eating the local food. So I, I don't want to always be on the boat, on the water and not being able to kind of engage, like he said. And, and you, you know, you're an experienced sailor, so you might look, you might be able to add some insight to this and say, okay, don't worry about this. It happens. You'll get the local culture. You might say, well, it's going to be an effort. You're going to have to really make the effort. But I kind of see us being in certain areas like Southeast Asia and, and, and putting the boat, you know, on the hard maybe for three or four months and then backpacking around or something like that so that we can still kind of have the mix of what we loved about our previous travel life and integrate that with our sailing life. Yeah, definitely. There's one channel, give it a watch. It's actually, so um, the podcast is coming out on the first of april uh, his name's vernon so he's got a channel called sailing learning by doing uh, and he's he's sailing around uh, southeast asia uh like indonesia and a couple of other countries but his channel oh, is like a really great mix of uh, learning to live on a boat but also experiencing like the indigenous tribes of like these islands that you would just never oh, visit so unless cool. you had a boat and he makes us i mean he's a very creative person he's an artist he's a photographer so he really makes an effort to go out of the way and find like where is the best anchorage where there is a village just, you know, like a few hundred meters where, from where I can anchor and actually go and spend in time with them. Um, but yeah, I think it, it is difficult in the Mediterranean, especially in the south of France and and the coast of Spain, because it's so commercialized. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, in the Mediterranean, I, I suppose the best place to do that would be Greece, because you can actually anchor within like little independent town communities. And then you can go and spend time there, mix in the restaurants, meet the people, that type of stuff. Um 
but yeah, it's, it's just going to be a case of really researching where those anchorages are, where you can park the boat, just take a little dinghy trip. And there's a village there with, you know, relatively unspoilt ish type of vibe to it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think going that way around is going to be great. It's like the Caribbean's gorgeous. Like I've, I've been there a number of times on holiday, but it is it's islands where everyone from America goes on holiday and they're very, very pretty. Um, but like in, in, like in my opinion, Mediterranean is a great place to explore because that's where democracy was formed. You know, you've got the Greeks, the Romans or, you know, OK, so yeah. the Italians, the Spanish who conquered the world. It's so much history there. Caribbean is really pretty. There's lots of places to go snorkeling and stuff. But it's spoiled. It, it, it is. It's been commercialized, and a lot of people go there on holiday. If you if you skip through there, Panama Canal, then you go into the Pacific. You still get those like real islands where there's nobody there. You know, you're That's the only what boat. We're looking forward to. That's yeah, the yeah. plan. We're not we're not planning on staying in the Caribbean for very long. Um, well, one of the that... issues. Hold on, wait, before you jump there, because you're talking about a crossing, um, and you said that you were potentially thinking about doing a crossing as well, coming. Uh, October. I mean, Let's all go. Yeah, November, Pacific December. <laughs> but um, what have you sort of just a just a more Q and A stuff? But have you heard anything about insurance? Because we're running into questions. That's a tough about, one. Yeah. 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 You know what? And there's no one really provides like a straightforward, sensible answer to that because it once you get to the Caribbean. Okay, I'm not. I'm not an expert on this at all. But I know once you get to the Caribbean, you need different insurance. It's seasonal. And there is different insurance to if you're a liverboard or a non-liverboard. Um, there's been a, a few suggestions on the groups, but as far as I'm aware, you can get insurance in Europe that will take you over to the Caribbean. But as soon as you are there as a liverboard, you need to change. That's what I've heard. I don't know if it's right, but I do that's know it's incredibly I've, expensive when you get there. That's what I heard from my exploration talking with our agent. And they said, you need to get out of the Caribbean before hurricane season. Oh, yeah. So if you get yeah. insurance there and you, you know, and it's, it's actually, if it is affordable, you can't stay there. You got to get there mm. and get out of there because it's well, you crazy. can do and the Southern Caribbean. Yes. Yeah, so like the right. Southern Caribbean, like the, uh, the Dutch islands. ABC islands. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. They are out of the path of general Caribbean hurricanes. So I know a lot of insurance companies, get, they give you the alley and they're like, as long as you get out of the way of the hurricane alley, you're fine. So you can go to the South. Um, but yeah, that's that's a tough one. But I do know it's expensive. Um, like say, like our, our boat is thirty five foot, and I think it's like four hundred and fifty euros a year for insurance. And I know through speaking to people who are in the Caribbean, something comparable is like one and a half to two thousand dollars. So um, yeah, I can see why a lot of people that's do that's it what I insurance. Heard from my research like two to three times what you're currently paying. Like yeah, the Mediterranean seems to be one of the least expensive insurance places. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, there's not much bad can happen here. It's mostly coastal right. sailing anyway. If if the boat switches off, you just land on land somewhere. You know, right. you don't really have hurricanes <laughs> or anywhere. It's like it, right. like the worst. I, I suppose the furthest you could be offshore is like a hundred miles if you were going from somewhere to somewhere else. Uh, so you'll just drift back to France <laughs> or Spain or wherever, you know, it's not that dangerous. Whereas, uh, yeah. It sounds so easy. You'll just drift. No, we'll just drift. We're going to get off it's the fine. call and Will's going to be like, we're going to Corsica tonight. Just going to drift to Corsica. Drift. <laughs> we're just going to drift. You'll wake up, Jessica, and we'll be in Corsica. Listen, I'm, I'm just grateful that that the, the mistrols are slowing down because yeah. the last couple of weeks have been Oof. out of control. It's been, it would, so, to be honest, like this week, uh, it's the, the south of France, uh, sorry, the south of Spain is like notoriously bad for it. You've either got no wind and 
average waves or you've got a lot of wind, uh, but it comes with massive waves because it's a storm. And then the the, um, the time difference in between each wave is incredibly short. So the sailing is pretty bad. But this time of year is tough around this part of the Mediterranean. You need to wait till like later April um, to actually get like really nice sailing conditions, which you'll get. Um, but yeah, I think like Corsica over to the Balearics, Canary Islands, Caribbean, South Pacific. It's nice. <laughs> nice little all right you come in with us we'll all do it together we'll get a whole team we'll go we'll... Right. between the two of us we'll have enough safety equipment to be in the ark right yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe they don't do, maybe they don't work it out like that <laughs> we, can, we can try but yeah doing, doing the following is good are they expecting more people to be crossing then because like you said you didn't there must cross. be that because yeah. you know that well we were speaking we were in an anchorage in um Fortaventura and we were speaking to I think it was an old German guy or an old Dutch guy one of the two and there was a third the amount of boats that usually go over on the Ark that were going over in 2020 so I'm presuming next year there's going to be like 1.75 times the amount of people who are going to want to make going to want to make that trip so if you're if you're planning on heading over like november december you could there would be like an armada of european vessels turning up in south there is in fact we're gonna have to dodge dodge sailboats right i I checked with the ark and and they and they actually said that they were also launching another one in january so they're having having phase two i think they were were truly trying to sell what's that I think they did that for 2020. I'm sure I heard something like that. Like they were planning a mini one in January. They I don't know if they did, have, it. But I, they did it. But I know that they're definitely planning for 2020 uh, or 2022 at this point. Yeah. yeah. And they were really trying to sell it, saying, well, the conditions are always better in January anyway. And it's like, well, if they're better in Why did you do it in, in November? January, why, why are you doing it in November? <laughs> now, and then Will was like, uh, my wife is not spending another winter in France. She'll probably kill me if she has to spend another winter in France. Uh, you know, so, I, I, I mean, not, everybody knows in France you get freezing cold conditions, but the video where you step out of your cat and there's ice on top of your solar panels. I was watching it with my wife. I was like, shit, it does actually get cold. Yeah, I couldn't believe yeah. that. And that's the that, south of France. You picture it to be, you know, sunny all year round and there was ice on right? the solar that's what everyone. Now, I will say that where we are right now gets like 325 days of sun a year or something. Yeah. So where we were previously was not like that. And that was the only day. There were like two days that were that bad. But can you believe it? The coldest week that we've had on this boat was the week we had our sailing lessons. It was the <laughs> coldest week. It was it, 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 it hit like minus two, minus three. On several did days, you, did you guys get a certificate out of that course? Was it a specific? Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah. Thing? Yeah, day, which which day one was super. it? Oh, day, that's a, yeah, that's a nice one. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we did the competent crew in Malta a couple of years ago, and then we did day skipper. Um, and we still we still have a long way to go, but I figure if we learn to sail in the med in January during COVID, um, I know we had no tides, but I'm like, okay, we should be able to sail. We should be able to get this be able to do this you know i mean yeah. we've been in i wouldn't say extreme conditions but you know it's not ideal learning to sail in like 15 layers and then sleeping in those layers every night because you're so damn cold like so mm. i think we've i think we've we've got we've ticked off that we're tough enough right and the kids got the competent crew certificates as well our daughter did um you have right. there's a 16 year old cutoff and so yes there is our, yeah that's true so unfortunately um you know when it comes time for our son our instructor said, "Just, just let me know when, when, when he turns sixteen, and you know, I'll come down and check right. him out, make sure he knows everything. By then, he can probably teach the class. So, but you can do um, your competent crew when you're under sixteen, can't you? 
you can't be certified under RYA if you're 16, under 16. Right. Okay. Ah, oh, but they can do it. Yeah. Cause I've seen some people, I've seen some younger kids take part in the competent pro, but uh, yeah, maybe they've not got the certificate. No, competent crew. Yes. But they skip. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah crew, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I've seen quite a few yeah. kids, well, not kids, but you know, like young teenagers do it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So do you think, do you think she is, I mean, would you just give responsibility of the boat to her? Would you say, okay, let's, you know, you, oh, you take the helm. Oh my gosh. She knows more than I do about it. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's pretty good. She and she's has... got the confidence. She's got the confidence. She definitely has the chops. Um, mm. She's calm under pressure. Um, she's just, she just, she gets things really fast. And the only, like, if you were to ask her right now, can she manage it from start to finish? She goes, I, I, she'll probably say, I would if I had to. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, you know, every, every single time we've taken, taken the boat out, um, it's always been myself because with school being, I mean, as we're approaching now, the end of the school year, just everything is starting to, starting to ramp up a little bit. So she hasn't had the time to, to really just focus on this and only this, but yeah. come the summer, I think yeah, you know, she's, we're going to let her sort of just take the reins. And I'm completely mm. comfortable with her um, at the helm. And like I said, I think she, she has been able to grasp a lot of the material much quicker than I have. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's not, far, he's not far behind, um, he's just still, he still doesn't just have, he doesn't have all the strength necessary for certain things yet. Cause he's, he's only 13, but, um, they, they got it really quick. Um, and they've enjoyed it. She didn't, we, we got seasick on the, uh, the last sale we just took. Okay. Um, and she was only seasick a little bit, but it was hard for her to study. And like I said earlier, she has big exams coming up. Um, so she wasn't too fond of that. And it was like but, the worst conditions that we've ever seen. Yeah. So that wasn't too fun. But other than that, yeah. I mean, I, I have confidence in, in everyone, everyone on here that they, that they've um, gotten, I mean, between the four of us, we've got, you know, we've got a complete, at least two com complete humans, would you say? <laughs> <laughs> How did maybe, you find... maybe three. So, I mean, you, you had a little bit of experience boating before you got your catamaran. Um, how did you find actually doing those classes? I mean, if, effectively, you're moving your home around. Was, was it was it daunting? Was it a bit scary? Um, Depends on who you ask. Yeah, I. Yeah, <laughs> I'll speak for me. We had very little experience. Competent crew a couple of years ago. Um, I'm not 21 anymore, so not all of it absorbed. I'm still reading every single night. Is I'm, we've got we bought like 15 books. I'm reading every night because I'm still trying to process so much. And I know this is gonna be for years and years and years to come. Um, I didn't feel so scared. Go, I didn't, wasn't scared at all going out with our instructor. Um, the first couple of sales without him were incredibly scary for me because we had conditions that were fine to sail in, but much more volatile than anything we had sailed in. Um, and this is, sailing is, it's definitely, I, I wouldn't say a big fear of mine, but something I never did as a kid, I've been on boats before, but I haven't been, you know, sailing for a summer or anything like that. So I've had to overcome some pretty big fears as well as seasickness. Um, and I'm getting there, but it's baby steps for me. But Rome was not created in a day and I won't give up. So that's kind of, and that's kind of my philosophy in life. Particularly the last 12 months, I've had to fight a lot of fears and I don't have too many fears, to be honest. My biggest fear is regret, but getting scuba certified, flying in a really small airplane that my son was piloting with an instructor yeah. and learning to sail are three of my big fears. And I kind of 
tackled all three of them in the last 12 months. So um, I'm getting better each day, but I still definitely have some fear. Will, on the other hand, he can speak for himself. He has no fear. I kind of don't. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, it's not my, my philosophy on just about everything in life is that if someone else can do it, so could I. Yeah. And then there's, you know, I, I know that I'm not going to become a master in day one. I mean, that's just, that, that's impossible to believe. However, you know, you give yourself enough time and enough patience and sort of, it'll come. And, and so it's, it's, it's not, you, you look around the marinas and you'll, you'll see the people who are having a hard time sort of getting in and out of their berths. And you can tell that they've had their boats for a while and you can tell they're just like, eh, whatever. So, you know what, you know, if, as long as you give it more than an eh, whatever attitude, um, you know, it'll come faster than hopefully the other guys do. And, and that's fine. You know, our job is, is at this point to, to protect our kids. And so I'm not going to make any foolish uh, mistakes, hopefully, but but I'm not going to go ahead and sort of be timid because yeah, it's just too short. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. we have too many, too many dreams to, to, to accomplish at this point. Now that we have the boat, now we want to use it. Yeah. We spent six months on the dock. So we're ready. We're, we're ready to get off the dock and we're ready to be sailing regularly. Um, and maybe unlike, like Will was saying, someone having a hard time getting into their berth going ah, eh, whatever, you know, these people are usually sailing, you know, maybe once a month, maybe not at all through the winter because it's very different when you're a liverboard. So I think our level of knowledge and our confidence, at least my confidence is going to grow tremendously when we're sailing, say every other day for yeah. weeks at a time, or, you know, several times a week, like it's, it all takes practice. And the more you do it, the more it becomes a new habit and a new routine and your level of understanding grows and you get there. Um, the kids have no fear and neither does will. And I, I try not to let my fear hold anyone back. And I kind of try to rationalize it, right? Cause my fear is really because of the things I don't know. And once yeah. I know them, I become more confident and I, I can kind of logically look at it like that and then trust in the other people on the boat that we're going to be okay we got you yeah yeah Don't it just comes with the experience as well i mean once once you've done everything a few times like you know okay what's the worst thing that could happen is the boat sinks <laughs> well if you don't go out when the weather's bad uh, if you right. see a ship just don't go near it um that is it's not really going to happen <laughs> you're not really right. going to sink a boat you've got weather forecasts you've got radars You've got depth meters, you know, you can see where you're going, you know, okay. So the worst thing that you can happen is you come into a marina and you hit something. Well, that's not that bad. You're in right. the marina, you know, it's like there's right. not much danger. <laughs> I think the first, the, like the biggest, the biggest one will be when you like, you do your first offshore passage and you see like what an eight meter wave behind you looks like. Um, and then you realize that's actually not a big deal. Um, you know, when, right. when you're in the open ocean, you look up and you're like, wow, these, these are really big, but the boat just does that you know, straight over the top and, and back down over them. So yeah, it's just about the confidence, but you know, the thing is like, because the lifestyle that you've got and you're going to be doing so much sailing, you, you rack up the miles in a season that sailors who've been sailing for 30 years still don't have. So, right. you know, you'll find by the end of the summer, you've probably done more sailing than some, you know, sailors who are in like the sixties and have had a boat their entire life. That's, that's the, I mean, that's the hope, right. With anything in life. Um, this is therapy session here. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't think we've been traveling for six years. Full-time travel never scared me living in an RV, traveling to countries where many other people would not travel. Like none of that stuff has ever scared me. So mm. it's really kind of the introduction of something scaring me for the first time in my life in my late forties. Yeah. Um, I just don't, I just don't have a lot of fear. And someone 
I was interviewed a long time ago, way before we started a vlog and I had a blog um, and someone interviewed me and said, you know, <clears throat> that a lot of our community was saying, well, I must be completely fearless to be able to do this. And I said, I don't have a lot of fear. I feel like things will work it out. And if they don't work out, I will find a way to fix it, make it work, hack it, problem solve it, whatever the case may be. But my big fear is regret. Mm -hmm. And that kind of goes along with why I went along with this whole sailing thing. Um, there was something magical, and wonderful about it and traveling by water, which I thought was an interesting thing to explore. But I also didn't want to have that regret. You know, I didn't want to wake up at 80 and go, what the hell was I scared of? Yeah. You know, why was I so damn scared? We had, we could have had all the safety equipment we needed. I could have gotten education, you know, and now I'm not prepared to go back and do it at 85. You know, I mean, people do it, but you know, most people don't. Right. So I think I'm glad, I'm really glad I did it. And every day I get, I get closer and closer to being more confident. We didn't have the best sale to get where we are today. Um, it was it just wasn't it wasn't a good sale and there was some fear and we got here and like i said i said i'm never getting i'm kissing the land i'm not getting back on that boat we're going to sell it on le bon Cone or whatever that thing is called and within a week i was like okay you know the, the seas were calm and i was like i can sail on this and i was i was fine i was like I, i'm itching to get back out there now so it just yeah. takes time it helps to have like a few of those sails that are horrible as well because they they are rare if you time your sails properly and then when you go out and the conditions are kind of bad you're like well it's not as bad as the one we had four weeks right. ago so we're going to get there it's fine thank you for um, for saying exactly what's been coming out of my mouth will is going to <laughs> no is going to message you after this saying thank you so much i will buy you a drink more in spain because i every time i we talk about sailors and i go well, what if it's as bad as that time we left marseille you uh, know <laughs> so we'll always have marseille will that was that was, that was uh, <laughs> that'll be the one point of reflection yeah it two, was like we six had, meters we had no it's not six feet i'm sorry six we, feet swells it we, wasn't that we had like bad two and a half meters but... well two and a half meters swells <clears throat> coming at our beam as we're trying to exit the channel and it was okay just, it was that just, tough and yeah, it was, it was just no fun. I think and, it's not bad for experienced sailors, but for us, we had never been in swells like that before. Yeah. It takes you know? a lot to so, tip over a boat. Um, like it just take a hell of a lot to tip over a boat. So. But a catamaran's I mean, easier to tip over, right? Uh, maybe in some cases, I suppose it depends on how you're sailing. Um, it's much more difficult to flip a catamaran back over from a cab size right. that's for sure that doesn't really happen um right but yeah i mean it, it takes a hell of a lot to flip over a boat it, it would take like multiple meters of waves and you would have to be really stupid to get caught in it um yeah i mean with, with like the tech you've got now and the knowledge of you know you've got you can just go on an application and you can be like right what are the conditions that you don't try and enter this marina and they'll tell you on right there. like you know if the wind is coming from here and this is the height of the swell don't bother because you might right. get trapped um so yeah, it's, it's safe. It's all about confidence. So I, I've, I've got a question. So you, you both lived a professional lifestyle, I suppose, before you started traveling the world. Uh, Will, you were an accountant. Uh, Jess, I, I don't think you mentioned your career, but I presume. I, was... I had a graphic design business. Okay. Yeah. So professional, professional career, lifestyle, yeah. that type of thing. Um, what made you want to give that stable, you know, successful, normal life up to, the complete extreme. I mean, we're not talking about a boat. We're talking about like a very, very small RV and take the kids. Uh, what, what on earth made you want to do that? We lack intelligence. 
<laughs> <Is that it? laughs> I, I thought, you know, it's, it's like, these people are pretty dumb. That's right. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear from everyone listening to this at this point. <laughs> the, the answer, the answer has evolved a lot since, since from the day that we, we started until, until now. Um, the, the reason has always been the kids, but, but the sort of the, the support, the supporting answers have, have changed a lot over time. So in the beginning, it was because we thought that the kids, um, we wanted to see the world, but we didn't want to do it without them. And we didn't want to be those parents to be like, oh, well, you have to college. Bye bye. We're going to go see the world yeah. and then sort of be done. We wanted to do it with them. We like hanging out with them. And, and we also wanted to give them an opportunity to see the world and make perspectives and judgments of sort of what life is like. Um, in other cultures, communities, and so forth and so on, based on their own opinions and sort of life experiences, as opposed to what their friends tell them or what the media says. So, so that was like like the whole, you know put it on on a on a meme and and share it with your friends type you know reason why. Yeah, we didn't we didn't hate our life in the U.S. Um, we liked it. We liked our community. We liked our friends. Uh, Where did you live in the states careers. when you were there full time? Which which state did you live in? Oh, we li- we lived we lived in Los Angeles, New York City, okay. Boston, and several other places. But we were living in Boston when we left the United States. Oh, so big cities. So it was like yeah. a yeah, yeah, okay. But then, I mean, essentially, what happened was, you know, after six months, if not less, we started to realize, you know, how they took to it, the kids did, and and how sort of they were they were evolving as as just people integrating into a culture, you know, seamlessly. And, and the idea of, of returning at that point was, was almost like, why would you stop what you're starting now? Yeah. Um, and and, and it, yeah. it really worked out really well. So, so at that point, the trains just kept on going. We moved, we left to, to Costa Rica in the beginning. Then we moved to Ecuador and sort of became more involved in local culture and, and everything else. Um, we eventually moved to France because our kids were involved from day one they were in, in they were learning French. So when we were living in Boston, they were in a French immersion school. So oh, by nice. the time we got to France, they were already fully fluent in French, which was fantastic. Yeah. And um, by that point, we realized that we started seeing, you know, particularly when we got to the RV, other people who were out there adventuring as well as part of their retirement. You know, so here, here, here you are at, at a campground or at, at a park for night place. Um, at an air when you see, you know, two retired people in the, in the camping car and they're sitting outside with their, with their, with their ball of wine. And you can see that just, that's all they could do at that point yeah. is to sit back and to enjoy their glass of wine, which is fantastic. You know, more power to them. Congratulations and they're out there and they're doing it dream. beyond what many people their age are doing it. So right, I think yeah, it's sure. marvelous. But when we have conversations with them, because we'd often engage, um, you know, they would say, I love the fact that you're doing this now, Do it now. because, yeah. because the fact that sort of you have d- decided that, you know, waiting for later is not an option. You, you're doing it now. means that, you know, you always have time to go ahead and sort of work when you're later on in life, if you want to, but you don't have time to enjoy this type of life later on in life, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that is at this point, what has been propelling us forward ever since um, we got we, into the RV. We have spent a lot of time, um, around retirees um, in the RV, just a lot of the experiences we had and places we popped into, because that's what the majority of the people RV in Europe are, the retirees. Yeah. And we listened to them. Um, we were already well into this travel path, but we've listened to, and that's how Will says things have evolved and changed for us because we listened to their stories and them saying they're so happy that they're able to do this, like Wilson, they have this life, but they wish they would have done it 
like and 20 the opportunities so, yeah. because let's let's face it we have a lot different opportunities now for work than someone in their 60s did when they were our age so yeah they had those limitations and these might have been people that did it but they didn't have the same resources that we have now and so will and i listen and listen intently um on all aspects of life and things from from these people and, and the wisdom that they have garnered over all these years and the wisdom they've gotten from our being europe um so we are are kind of our our, our path has changed a bit, but the same, it's always, it's always been the same kind of mission to do it with the kids, learn through the world, um, live on less, spend our money and time on experience and memories rather than stuff. Yeah. Um, and it was, it, it is, it has been, well, we're still out here. So it's obviously been a very, very good decision for us as a family. And I think that it's hard to, you know, we look, Will and I look at like there were pivotal moments in our life where had we chosen certain paths, life would be very different. Will mentioned earlier, we were ch chatting about how we almost moved to Madrid. It was an expat package through his company. Um, it ended up falling through. But if we had gone that path, you know, what change would our life have taken? Um, several years ago, when Will was working as an, a consultant, as an accountant, when, um, when we were several years into the travel, traveling, um, the company decided that they wanted all consultants to work in an office. So we had to make the decision on year three of traveling. Do we continue traveling like this um, and figure out a new source of income for him? Or do we move to London and kind of stop this party? Um, and we didn't, we kept going. So there's very pivotal moments in our life where we've made certain choices that have been choices directly related to, we want to stay out here and continue this because it works well for all of us. Yeah. That makes sense. How, so uh, how did you fund this at first? Because I take it you both had normal jobs where, I mean, I suppose jobs where you could both work remotely, a lot of graphic designers are self-employed and work from home and, and accountants can work from home, be self-employed as well. But was, was there, was there a change that needed to be made to do those same jobs or earn money, however it is you earn money now on the road? Um, or were you able so, to literally just transfer your set of skills and do it remotely? I'll talk about mine because yours is a little more complicated. I'll yeah, it, that, that, that's an evolving answer as well. Mm. So, um. so I had already had my graphic design business. I started it in Los Angeles. And over the years, we had moved to Boston and I kept all my clients in Los Angeles. Okay. So when we moved to Costa Rica, it wasn't really any different for the clients. I was already working remotely with them and I was just going to be working remotely still. Um, so mine was pretty seamless and not nothing really changed in my income. Will's a little bit of a different story. Right. When I left, um, I, the, the company I was working for, they weren't sold on me working remotely. You know, this okay. was... 110 years ago. Oh, this was long ago, <laughs> but it was, you know, but it was like 2014. And so I, we left when we left, I left without an income. And that's, you know, the most, I guess, when you, when you, when you change your routine, it, it, it's a bit of a, of a shocker to the system, mm. but, but that's fine. Um, you know, we, we had a goal to go ahead and make this happen. So we realized that sort of um, looking for a job is just part of the, the you know, the, the change process. And so eventually I did find a, a, uh, a work from home gig from Costa Rica and then eventually, and they paid, okay. Um, yeah. you know, enough to sort of make sure that we were not, um, well, we had my income and we had reduced our expenses by 75%. So right. we could survive. Yeah. All right. And then, it, and then my old employer came back and they said, uh, yeah, I don't care where you live. Just you, you know, win. No, what's well, that matter? You winning, but, but we can we can we can utilize your skills. And not have to you don't have to be in the office. So yeah. you know, and and 
so that was that was the best of the situations because I, I got I got back to my old U.S. salary, and you know, and living in in you know these 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 countries where, you know, the cost of living is substantially less. Uh, we were able to to do a lot with 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 you know in terms of savings and so forth and so on. Um, so you know when eventually when when the time came for me to go and, and make that decision to not go back to the office and and say okay well now we're going to go ahead and do this on our own Jessica and I decided to start uh what we call world towning which is our our brand at this point um it's almost encapsulating everything that we believe about travel which is you know making your live, live the world one one live the world one hometown at a time mm. um you know where it's just a matter of it doesn't matter where you where you hang your hat it's just a question of sort of how do you how do you associate with with your neighbors um and and so uh that's that's, so that was yeah that was a bit of a transition right because we went from a quite comfortable u.s income in countries where we didn't need as much money to live to hey let's start a business together in our 40s and it started out right (laughs) you've gone from the most comfortable setup ever (laughs) right to something completely different and we didn't hate our careers, but we really wanted to do, I was already starting World Towning and we wanted to do something that we were really, really passionate about. And we're very passionate about travel and not just like, you can probably tell obviously, but not just from the standpoint of look what we get to see and mark this off our bucket list, but the immersion into travel and how it changes people and how mm. we want to expose other people to it. And all of that comes across from sharing things on social media, on YouTube and whatnot. But we wanted to add kind of, another level because when we it took us a year to plan to leave Boston we gave ourselves 12 months and those are some those are the t- hardest 12 months of our life until COVID hit um and we learned through that process that there was a lot of crap online a lot of people saying they know how to full-time travel that weren't full-time and traveling giving bad advice and we had to sift through so much and waste so much time so we started a coaching business where we started coaching people on the logistics of travel a full-time travel, you know, anywhere from three months or making a complete lifestyle change and wanting to do it forever. Then we added group trips and started because people were starting to say, we want to travel how you travel. Would you make me a trip or will you come on a trip with me? And then we said, well, let's just host some trips. Mm -hmm. And that we were finally starting to see, you know, as a startup, some growth in our business after two years and nine months and then COVID hit. (laughs) And I know you were running a travel business. Right. We're in the travel business. And I know income is always a big question, right? For people at full-time travel. So I, we really believe in being really transparent. So we had to cancel all of our trips for 2020. Um, we completely lost um, the, you know, the biggest portion of our income. Um, we've since opened up registration for our trips starting at the end of 2021 and 2022 is going to be open soon. So we're hoping things come back. Um, but I'm sure someone's going, well, how did they survive? Um, we live very frugal. We had money and savings. We've always kept a safety net and savings just because, you know, when you have your own business, especially a startup, it's very volatile. You don't make money initially, you know, in the beginning. Um, and we have a couple of rental properties, which don't really generate too much income, but they're enough between that and our savings. And we're still doing some coaching. Coaching's coming back. We were, that's, we're on a call with a client right before we got on this podcast with you. People are starting to think about travel again. And now, now more than ever, they're thinking about it because they're like, wow, I lost a year. What if this happens again? And I lose five or six years and then I can't travel anymore. Yeah. You know, so people are really starting to kind of look at 
changing their life and what do they really want? And for some people it's travel, you know, some people it's homeschooling, some people it's making a homestead, some people it's exercising more, whatever the case may be. So we're kind of, I would say we're kind of, you know, 2020 was a really tough year for us. Um, but even in the trenches of it, we just decided we just got to keep learning and keep growing and we'll learn to sail through all this. We'll learn a new skill um, mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, live off the savings until, you know, travel business picks back up. So that's kind of the, the, the piecemeal of our, our, our income throughout the years of full-time travel. And Will and I always say that, you know, if, if life has it at the, such that we're unable to make money um, remotely on the internet, then we're not beyond stopping someplace in a country and working there and refilling the kitty and then continuing on. Like we want to continue this lifestyle and we, we will do what, what it takes. Yeah, no, it's really good. I mean, the, the idea of you having, it's what I prefer. I, I would much rather be earning money from a lot of different little places than just relying yeah. on one source. It's just so comfortable. Like we, we do, uh, we've got properties and we rent them out on Airbnb. And especially like 2020 was just a, it was terrible. Oh. I, I work in oil and gas. And then we also have Airbnb properties. So it was just like double hit, you know, oh, nothing's coming in. Um, and yeah, this year it's like, we've, we've been getting the, uh, the bookings come in and it's like, Oh God, that's so nice. Like if, a, God, if, right? if oh. the clients don't pay, which they're not doing uh, at least like, we, you know, we've got something coming in from somewhere else. So yeah, it provides like right, much right. better level of security. So are you, are you guys at the point now where the, so the, like the business ventures that you've got going on, the rental properties you are, completely in the I don't know if you guys say the black or the green what is it when you're not you're not eating your savings anymore yeah debt free, free I suppose oh. yeah yeah That's yeah good. and we actually we actually sold a property to completely pay off another property so that we have passive income yeah brilliant um which was it was I mean I don't know as we I don't know as we would have done it if it wasn't COVID times um, we don't like to sell property once we acquire it mm. uh, we rent it out and we you know we you know have a little bit of income on it, but most of the growth is usually in the equity. Yeah. Um, and then we pull out the equity and we'll buy another property. Um, I don't think we would have done it if it wasn't COVID times, but at the time we weren't really sure when travel is going to come back. And we didn't want to get to the point where it was so extreme that we had to go back to the United States. And yeah. we're not anti-United States. We just, we, this is our normal now and this is our lifestyle and we love it. And we're and doing we have a boat in the takes. med and why on earth would you go back to the States and leave the boat behind? Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> Your house is in the med. You live in the med. Right. 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 So what the, um, the process of like researching the boat, cause you were completely new to boat life. And I know that cause you spoke about it on your channel. Cause you did speak through the boat prime buying process this was the first boat you saw or is the or you saw this one you thought it was the right one and it was the first one you saw um did you yeah, put a lot of research like into that prior because i i think the boat that you chose is fantastic i've been doing a little bit of research on it the layout the way it's made Ooh. um it is a really good quality catamaran and for, for the size there's so much space it's ridiculous yeah they're very they're, every every ounce of space is maximized on yeah so well so built and um, we we were we were in, we were not even looking for a boat when we actually got the boat. We the were, boat plan was like a year or two from now. Right. Yeah. And we just returned from Japan because uh, we we extended our visa during COVID and we couldn't stay any longer if we wanted to. So our, we we knew that we wanted to come back and do a project uh, during sort of 
phase two of COVID, which we knew was coming. Yeah. Um, and we that that plan was that project was going to be a house. We we're going to remodel like an old like chat or old. Well, a barn house. I, I was yeah. going to say a chateau, but no, no, good job. <laughs> well, 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 and I have um, have done a lot of work um, remodeling places and stuff, but we the kids hadn't experienced that when we did it. They were much younger, and they did a little a little bit of experience, but nothing to what we wanted to kind of share with them now. So we thought that would be one of our kids said, "What are we going to do? We need a project or something when we go back to France." And we're able to come back to France because we have long stay visas here. Hmm. So that that house became the project. We're like, we made appointments to see houses. So as soon as we hit the ground here within, um, I don't know, within a couple of days, mm-hmm. we were looking at houses cool. and then. Yeah. And then uh, COVID happened as we were like three days before we, we got back from Japan, uh, there was a listing that showed up on Jessica's Facebook feed and it was for this book that we're sitting on now. And you know, it was like, ah, okay. The boat is at the really high end of our range. But, you know, why not? Let's just take a look at it. And, you know, at this point, we knew we were going to be back in France and we were treating France as if it was like, you know, like the city of Paris, like, oh, we'll just go from one end of the country to the next end of the country, look at houses. And we must have driven <laughs> close to like 4,000 miles within like three weeks, mm-hmm. looking at different boats and houses and so forth and so on. Um, but yeah, we saw this, this boat and this was the first boat. And, yeah. and it was, it was, it was meticulously <clears throat> kept. And we thought to ourselves, okay, so if, something's wrong with it. If, if there's really <laughs> nothing wrong with it, too good to be true. And, and it's it's it, right. You know, this seems like it must be it. Um, the house that we saw was 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 nice. I actually love the house. We were deciding between the house and the boat, and I I could have the, the boat came across my Facebook feed. I was the most skeptical of everyone about doing the boat because I had the most fear. And there was a part of me that was like, do I share this with Will? Do I not share it with Will? You know, am I prepared to go down this road? Not that I would hide it from him, but I, I had, we had looked at enough boats online to know what was in our price range. And I knew by looking at this, that it was definitely better than anything else we had seen in our price range. Hmm. Um, and I figured, well, it's too good to be true. There's got to be something wrong with it. So I knew if I showed it to him, when we went down to the South to look at houses, we'd be looking at the boat too. But I thought, you know, it takes, it's taking people so long to find boats in COVID. When, when is this going to happen? What, you know, how long is it going to take for us to find a boat when we're actually ready? Right. Cause most people will fly to a boat to see it and then they'll do the survey. And then sometimes it doesn't always work out. Yada, yada. Yep. So I showed it to him and he said, all right, let's go look at it. Let's so, go look. So we, are you getting a power cord? Yeah, I'm getting a power Hold cord. Hold on one second. We'll get no, a that's okay. But go ahead. No, basically cool. what we did was, was we wound up, um, once we saw the boat, we realized that this was something that was uh, doable. And, but I was more than anything else, because I knew this was going to max out our budget like there's no tomorrow. And I was the one, the almost the voice of reason saying, we should just do the house because yeah this is you know you you hear horror stories about how you know a boat just sinks you you know financially oh repairs and stuff like that yeah 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 and so um and this is already at the top of our budget right Mm. but you know we just we just said no let's do it let's and so we just said all right let's go and 
um, what wound okay, up happening. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Get your power. Go ahead. Go you're ahead. around and like, he's like touching the bread and everything's crackling and <laughs> we'll just wait a second here. I'll when a man you, needs a snack, he has to get a snack, you know. Right? <laughs> he's like trying to get the cord with his toe. I'm like, well, people can hear that. <laughs> Don't make fun of me. I was wondering what you were doing with your feet down there. I'm, I, I kept tapping trying. his leg like they can nobody, hear that Nobody would have known okay, if she didn't good. describe what your toe was All just right. Anyway, okay. so long, saying, well, long story short, we get a survey done. The surveyor guy says, if you don't buy this boat, I will because it's got it's worth 30000 more than what he's selling it for. Wow. Um, and and at that point, we were sold. We we're like, okay, done. Um, at, at, at worst, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll just go ahead and turn around and sell it. But well, in the in that week between when I contacted the seller and when we actually saw the boat, Will and I, what I think we should mention is because we didn't know about this particular boat, um, we did a ton of research. So I called a couple of catamaran dealers in Florida, um, asked to pay them. I said, I will pay you if you can consult with me for an hour or two about this boat. Tell me a bit about it. Tell me what I need to look out for. What's the negative of it? Um, I got one man who called me back and he spoke on the phone with me for about 45 minutes um, and shared as much information as he wanted. And I said, how do I pay you? I appreciate this so much. And he said, don't worry. The business always comes back to me. And I referred a couple of people that were looking for catamarans in Florida to, to him. Now, I don't know if they bought them or not. They were people through social media, which I thought was really kind. But in the meantime, too, because this is Broadbu 38, also known as Prout by many, I couldn't get a lot of information on it until I was on a bunch of Facebook groups asking questions about it. And people said, why don't you search Prout 38? And then you might be able to get more information. So we spent a lot of time on Facebook groups, on calls, on uh, with consultants, with some, uh, some other boat builders asking questions about this boat because we didn't know enough. So we didn't just, yes, we did buy the first boat we saw, but we did a lot of research in the meantime about the boat and, and, you know, how well it handled and all that kind of stuff that makes yeah. sense did you have a list of things that, that needed to be ticked when you were looking to actually purchase the boat or would or was it literally a case of well should we get a boat or a house let's just get this boat because we've found this boat <laughs> it, it, it's more like the latter i mean in, in terms of <laughs> in in terms of um what did we want we we just came from literally like an rv that was no 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 we just came from living in a surf well, hostel that's true. in, in Japan. Japan, four of us in one room, sharing a bathroom <laughs> and a hot plate to eat on with a bunch of young surf guys. Right, right. Our and standards were pretty low. So we saw this. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with surfers, but this felt like a palace when yeah, we came in say, here. Yeah. Uh, people were saying on like Facebook groups, oh my God, 38 feet for a family of four. That's so small. I'm like, it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> In in the meantime, and in, in, in the meantime, we're actually now at, at a at a marina, and right next to us is a lagoon four hundred, and then another <laughs> lagoon four forty, and mm. then a uh, Fontaine Pajot forty seven, and you we just tell yeah we're looking around we're, we're pretty small we could slide underneath <laughs> we're like the yeah, baby the thing is like you're group. used to traveling around the world and staying in different cities and towns that boat is easily bigger than your average two bed or even some three beds that you get in a city so it's a good, yes. it's a good enough size for yeah. a family it's the biggest space that we've ever lived in outside of we did have a three-bedroom apartment in ecuador um 
which had four bathrooms, which was crazy. Uh, but it is the biggest space we've lived in for, I would say, at least four years. But, but our yeah. biggest concern of the boat was more than anything else, because, I mean, the, the intention was um, not to just coastal cruise. Our, our intention is to, to, to okay. sail around the world. Was, is this a, a boat that can handle that type yeah. of terrain? Mm. And um, everything that we looked at, everyone we spoke to, every group that we sort of researched in, the answers all pointed to yes yeah. you know that yeah. the prouts are, are sort of very uh very versatile boats that can sort of handle a wide range of conditions and and going around the world is not um one of the things you should be shy about in one of these boats so some of the comments were though that you know we don't have a trampoline up front that there's going to be some slap um yeah. and it might not be super comfortable um but that didn't seem to be much of a concern of ours and you said you know were there certain things that you wanted like we came into the boat going we really like we'd like four cabins but we can settle with three um excuse me the kids wanted a trampoline um we didn't get that i really wanted the the galley to be up rather than down in the hull yeah um but and there was one other thing something that one other thing you wanted what was it do you remember i don't even remember at this point but it's you know it it, it it wasn't a big deal that we didn't get those things. Like everyone had one thing on their list they really wanted, but we didn't, that we didn't get those things, but we all fell in love with the boats um, and, it, and it fit our budget and ticked everything else. So we, we, you know, we went without the extra, I think you wanted the extra cabin. I think it was, so the cabin, the trampoline and the galley up top were the things we didn't get. Um, but we were realistic enough to know that if we waited around for that, to find a boat within our budget that was this well-maintained, that had all that stuff would may never happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's the same as getting a house. There's no way. I mean, how, how often does somebody walk into a house and go, Oh my God, this is everything I've ever wanted in one place. Right. And it's the right price. I, uh, it doesn't happen. It never happens. Well, we got yeah. some things we didn't expect we were going to get. Like I never thought we'd have a washing machine. Yeah. I didn't think we'd get a water maker. Um, so there are some things in here that I thought, okay, this is, this is pretty nice. Um, we did not have to fly any place to get a survey done. We didn't have to look at multiple boats or be disappointed or get stressed out or anything like that. You know, we said this was the first boat we looked at. We looked at one other one just to like almost appease, I don't know, the, the, the sailing <laughs> gods or something. And I said to Will, look, I found another one that's a broad blue and it's in Spain. Why don't we just go look at that as a point of comparison? And it was broad it's blue. It's broad blue 385. So okay. it is bigger. It's it's it, it's slightly slightly larger, newer. It, it's yeah. slightly newer, slightly and newer. it's also a bit wider. So it gave you more more living space on the inside. But uh, that was just and it was seventy thousand more. It was about yeah around there. So and it was. I think that's still knew- available for sale, isn't it? I think it, it might is. be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was actually when when I I saw the name of the boat, I was actually looking at a few of us, and I think that one's still online. So there's something yeah, wrong I, with it. I think it's still there. <laughs> I think it's overpriced. Um, well, I don't know. What do I know? Gosh, I, I act like I'm an expert. Well, if, here. if we think about sort of everything that all everything that we put into the boat, you know, who knows? Maybe that that right. could have been the boat, but who knows? I didn't. Um, I didn't feel honestly. <laughs> if, even if it was the same price as this one, it didn't have the same the vibe that I felt mm. this one had. That I really liked it. Um, it wasn't as well maintained. Um, it had a lot more safety equipment, but it just was a bit not well maintained inside. And maybe that visually, you know, modified my impression, although I'm still, I'm pretty good at seeing past that after years of investing in real estate, but I, I, I feel like this was the right choice for us. And, you know, like we said, we were deciding between the house and the boats. Um, and I know we didn't really talk about it for too long, did we? No. Because no. we felt we were a little nervous with the house. 
um, it was less money, but we were going to have to put money into it. Obviously we, it felt like, oh my gosh, what if something happens and we end up being here for three years, you know, and we don't get the travel anymore. And that is really what, what really makes us all tick. Like we all love it so much. And after being in a lockdown situation for, I don't know how many months now for since October and barely having any social and both of our kids have said to us, what COVID has taught me is I don't want to live in the country. I want to be where people are and where there's culture and diversity because they're so used to having that, right? So if we had bought the house, the house is in a very rural area of Northern France. Um, the kids probably would have really been climbing the walls right now. There already are because they miss social because of COVID, but I think they, they would have been in a very different space, right? We wouldn't have been leaving like we're leaving now to sail. We wouldn't have been doing that after six months in the house because the world isn't really set up for that quite yet with COVID. So we would have yeah. been in that house for a year, maybe two years. And I don't think it would have been the best um, path for us. And it was, I think it was an interesting decision because Will and I have been investing in real estate for a very long time. This was more of a personal project. Um, it would have been difficult to rent out. It wouldn't have been Airbnb able the where it is. Um, but it was also a low, um, price point, which, which was good, but our kind of our, our more logical kind of investment mind was, even though we didn't see an investment opportunity in that, it was still leaning towards that because it's something tangible. Whereas a boat, you know, it's like a car. The second you drive it off the lot, the value goes down. Yeah. You know, we were very fortunate in this boat that it came with on the survey. I think it was 20 or $30,000 worth basically of equity. If you can even say that with a boat in it, because it was underpriced. Um, but that's not typical with boats. So it was Plus, a I think, kind of risk. Like given the lifestyle that we had and the lifestyle that you chose to lead a long time ago, I think putting more investment into something which keeps you held in one place. I mean, I don't know if it would have been a good idea or a bad idea, but it seems now like you, you have a life where if you want to just go sail away to Morocco, you can literally do that tomorrow if you wanted to. Yeah. And you've got nothing holding you down. And that is the negative side of property. It's a safe investment, especially if you get something that can rise in, you know, it can, you can raise a lot of equity in it if over 10 years or whatever, it still keeps you there. And if you're renting yeah. it out, there's still a problem. There's still yeah. a burst pipe. Or I still agree. There is, I mean, one of the biggest, the mo most of the real estate that we've owned has been on uh, what annual leases. Mm. It's been very little stress. And I manage the properties and I manage them from afar. I've always managed them. I've never hired a management agency. Even when we've been in Europe, I've managed properties in California, Boston, and in Mexico. But uh, we had an Airbnb property in Mexico. We've since sold it. And that thing was a nightmare. Yeah. So I could not see, and not everyone's Airbnb is like that, but this one was particularly a nightmare. Um, and I, all I could see was like, if we do try to monetize this through Airbnb, are we going to want to go through that again? What if it ends up being a similar situation? And here we are off, you know, you know, trying to go someplace and then we've got this. So, so we just, we've kind of been there and done that and we still are doing it, but we're keeping in our life, which is the, the easiest properties to manage Yeah. Um, so that we can still kind of live the life we want to live. And it's been good to us. I mean, we've really enjoyed it, but I don't think we were ready for another one. There was a lot of a lot of like responsibility. Like we've we've always had properties that we've rented out long term, and then stuff that we've rented out on Airbnb. And like thankfully now we've still got some that we've got like great tenants in. But you know when the pipes burst or the apartment upstairs starts flooding, and then you have to deal with insurance and getting contractors yeah. around, and you're like five thousand miles away, and you can't <laughs> go there. You know it's like you you know you really figure out what it's like to be a landlord in difficult and tough times. And yeah, it's. 
bit of a pain sometimes. But then, you know, you can land lucky and you can get a, a tenant that stays in there for like 10 years and they don't cause you a problem in the world. And it's really nice. Right. We've had some of those and those are fabulous. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's so I I always think I mean, I always think real estate's a great investment. I mean, I think we it, we've 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 done well, but then we've had one bad egg in a series of decades of investing. And I think that's not too bad. Mm. Um, and I was, we always kind of say to our clients that are thinking about selling their house to go travel the world and the house is paid off, or I'm like, would you consider renting it? But being a landlord is not for everyone. Right. And once no. you hire a management company, they're taking 10% and then you're like, oh, so, you know, I always say it's not, it's not for everyone. And, you know, sometimes you get that one bad tenant and you're, you know, luckily we haven't had any bad tenants like that. Mm. We just had a property that was a nightmare, but not because of the tenants. So it is not for everyone, but I think if you can do it and then it's a great, we meet a ton of people that have invested in real estate and that's how they fund their travels. Yeah, it can definitely work. I think it depends what country you're in as well. Cause like we've, we've yeah. had property in a few different countries. Uh, the UK has some really ridiculous uh, tenancy laws that stem back from like the seventies uh, um, where uh, the, the unions were like really having a lot of power and uh, the government was, was doing a lot for tenants at the time. Although the regulations are still stupid. Whereas if you get a tenant that doesn't pay rent, there is literally nothing you can do um oh my gosh oh yeah it's crazy so like in the uk if you get a tenant that moves in and they don't pay rent like the first month you cannot evict them for six months it's impossible <gasps> because you have to give them six months in order to pay um and then once you are able to evict them it can take like four months to get a court date and there is so many regulations that when that court date is due you're like oh my god i pray to god i've got a judge that is not on the side of the victim that hasn't oh, paid that rent in like terrible. nine months yeah like we've lost tens of thousands <laughs> through this uh like having to go over to the uk and uh i mean people make a business out of it you know they move into an they move into an apartment right. or a house and they just never intend on paying rent um so yeah good for them if they can get a free house for like a year but pain in the ass oh. paying a mortgage on it <laughs> right right <laughs> and, and you, you can't know, you pay your own bills right yeah, oh my yeah, gosh that sounds horrible. crazy yeah so just Note before we self, wrap it up in the uk you, can you just like talk a bit more about the business that you've got now, which is encouraging people to travel and adopt the type of lifestyle that you got? It's fantastic. It, uh, <laughs> it's a great one. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, but honestly, uh, you know, what we've realized is that over the last three or four years, you know, as we've been showcasing what we've been doing on, on our social media, on, on the YouTube channel and so forth and so on, um, and, and now our ability to take people on trips that, that sort of emulate or mimic what we've done in, in, our, in our travels as well. I think that we've, we've, we've hit a nice curve of, of sort of opportunity to, to make a difference in people's lives where, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of people go on vacations or they'll go on a holiday where, you know, they want to be, they want to be pampered, but sometimes they want to scratch a little bit more beneath the surface. And, and it takes a lot of effort to do that because yeah. not everyone um, sort of wants to, if you, if you think about going on vacation and you want to do something more in terms of being involved with the culture, it's always one of those phrases like, oh, it would be really nice if we could do this. I wonder if the hotel has something. Right. And, yeah. and, and it's never always, you know, something that is truly authentic. Because you know the hotel has it's like the excursion trips from the hotel. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Very touristy. So yeah. what we well, so what we've done and sort of and the experience that we had with others is that we've given people sort of that that aha moment that like really 
going on 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 a holiday going on a, on a vacation going on a trip going on on a on a on a, in a trip away from home can be um one of those things where i do connect with the local yeah. community and, but yet i don't feel like i'm i'm on a national geographic exp, you know exploration trip where you know i have to earn my keep you know <laughs> it's almost like the best of both worlds where you know the combinations are great the food is great but the experiences are priceless and and it is it's, able, it's really cool we're able to create these experiences because we don't offer trips unless we've actually spent at least three months in the country um, we do have one trip for Peru that there'll be a disclaimer on for 2020, which we didn't spend three months, um, but we've been there. Uh, we don't go and kind of scout out a place for a week and kind of pull things together. We've immersed ourselves in the culture for a minimum of three, three months and sometimes up to years in the country where we've made connections with locals. And because of that, we're able to build a trip that's not just scouted through Google or all the tourist things to do we're able to build it with the locals on the ground. And I think that makes that makes our trips very different than other group trips. And also that we're leading it as full-time travelers. It's our company, it's a family business um, and we're completely vested in it and the growth of the business and the brand and the learning kind of process that goes along with it. And I, I'll just leave with this. And this was kind of something that, that you know, is really, really special is that we're, you know, we're, we're not in this to get rich. We're in this to, to help people to, to, to enlighten people and to open their minds and let them experience the magic of other cultures and other people and food and languages. Um, and our first group trip to Morocco, we had, we had one person who had never left the United States before. We had a couple take their honeymoon with us on a group trip because oh, nice. they thought the trip would be really neat, which is really cool. Um, we had someone in their mid seventies, we had family, we had solo, single, solo travelers, um, several of them, several people came alone, two people that didn't know each other were willing to room together and became fast friends. Um, and each person kind of had their own kind of, I guess, I don't know, say evolution, but experienced something that profoundly affected them yeah. in on the trip, which I think is really amazing. For example, the person who was the first time out of the United States is a dental hygienist. And we went to the high Atlas and we were spending time with this family that we had met and learning about their practices and cultures. And she, I don't know why she did this as a dental hygienist, but she went to give one of the kids can't know a toothbrush, right? It was a toothbrush. a toothbrush. She brought toothbrushes with her. Not someone else brought the candy to give to all the kids. Cause she thought it'd be a cute treat, you know, as a dental hygienist. And when the little girl smiled, all of her teeth were rotten out and she barely had any teeth. And she got back on the bus and she started crying. She was just like, oh my God, these kids, they don't have proper candidates. And I, I had to sit down when I said, listen, this is one of the villages we visited that I think has the most love of any community I've ever seen. Yeah. These teeth will be fine. Look, look beyond, but she had never experienced anything like that. She had mm. never left the US. And she had, she had seen something that would be horrifying to see in the US. You would just be so worried about the child, whatever. <laughs> But we sat, we talked about the love that's in this community, in this village, and it kind of just clarified a lot of things, right? And there were many experiences like that that people had on the trip. And those, those there were several people that wanted to go to Morocco and always wanted to go, but were scared to go as a female. So there were all these kind of misconceptions and, and, and you know, things that kind of wandered around in people's heads and their minds were open and they left going, wow, I want to do another one now. And I think to me, that's, that's success. That's success with our, our goal, our mission, our brand, 
our business, everything is if we can get more people out there traveling, having these experiences that they wouldn't have had um, otherwise, or maybe on a different trip, then we are, we are helping to, we're doing our little piece of the puzzle to help make the world a better place and kind of reduce, you know, discrimination and racism and all that kind of stuff and show that a mom in this country is the same as a mom in this country, in this country, in this country, they may eat different things. They may address differently. They may have different religious beliefs, but they all want like the same thing for their kid, you know, mm. I guess that's kind of my little soapbox so, moment on it. Journeys of personal enlightenment, teaching people about the world, what's out there. It's great. Listen, we're still on the we're still on this journey. I mean, we're not we're not up here saying, "Oh, we know everything and come learn from us. We're so enlightened." Like we are every day and every time we travel, we realize how little we know and how much growth we still have to go, right? And that's the great thing about travel. You're never done. And, and so it's something extra to learn. Humbling. What's that? There's always something extra to learn. Every time you go to well, a new place, uh, you meet new people. Yeah. Particularly nowadays for us, I mean, I was talking to Jessica about this, but now that we're on the boat, I mean, we're 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 like we're we're back down to ground zero. Right, we're starting over. <laughs> like where we really know nothing. So we're as humble as they come at this point. It's so true. I don't know. Will and I don't get to the point where we feel like we're we're at a level where like not masters, but like when we get to kind of a point where like okay, we I think we got this. We're like okay, let's 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 swipe this, swipe this clean. Let's go back to zero. Start all over. Okay, now we're going to become Olympic athletes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, maybe in 10 years you can be doing some world towning or I don't know if you call that word world boating or something. We can get a good name, I'm sure. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, something cool. World well, curling or something like that. <laughs> well, uh, let's look. I think that's a really positive, great note to end on. Um, it's. I think the business that you set up is great. And, you know, if people can learn a bit more about the world and they can learn a bit more about other people and and you know it can bring some enlightenment to the life i just think that's awesome it's great and uh, i think it follows in with your family like such a great family your kids are amazing um very inspiring very inspiring so listen thank you for your time really appreciate it and hopefully we'll speak again soon thank you If you want to support the production of these podcasts, you can become a member of our community on Patreon, where you will be able to access extra content, interact with our guests, and become a part of the show.